us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. Paddock fired out of two adjoining rooms using a device similar to a hammer to smash the windows. Several uh, flying saucers there of extraterrestrial origin. Hi, welcome to a brand new Digging Chris Graves. Uh, I think I'm coming through here. Um, this is actually a continuation of a show I did with uh, Mr. Tom Cooper and Shelly from AM Wake Up uh, the other night. Uh, it has to do with anomalies and 9-11. And I'd like to welcome both uh, my good friends, uh, Six from TNP and Mr. Donald Jeffries, uh, author extraordinaire and presenter at this past weekend's uh, Free World uh, NYC event. And thank you for the shout out, Mr. Jeffries, by the way. Oh, pleasure. I'll, I'll shout you out when I can. And you use, and, and no, this, is a perp, this is a perfect show for you because you, I love, and you know, I love this anomaly stuff too. And uh, nobody knows them better uh, than you do. You, these, these things are in your mind, man. It's incredible. Like I used to be as a kid with baseball statistics, you have this stuff in your mind. It's great. <laughs> Oh <laughs> well, no! I appreciate you uh, taking the time. And uh, six, uh, how are you doing today? You know what, Chris? I'm really glad that uh, we came up with this last minute idea because uh, I get to be on air with you uh, on the two year anniversary of TNP. So That's right. this is uh, this is something special, man. And this uh, the the way that it all came down uh, for John Henry and I when we went to record our first episode is that we had a schedule delay and we just ended up recording on 9-11 and it changed our entire like format that we had for the show. Yeah. Like I had everything laid out of what I wanted to talk about and I scrapped all of it when it landed on 9-11 because I, I felt compelled to say something about 9-11 at that time. And, you know, with uh, the past two years and being able to talk in, uh, to people like yourself a lot and uh, also spend some time with our good friend Don Jeffries here and the other people that were involved in the Free World NYC event. Like, I was honored to uh, be able to stream that on TMP. And from two years, you know, of just, you know, sitting in my studio recording uh, that first episode and not knowing where anything would go, to be involved in something like that um, as historical as this event will be, um, uh, honored, honored to be a part of something like that. So yeah, big shout out to Billy Ray and, uh, we got Tony Arterburn there. There was part of that too, who also gave you a pretty good shout out there, Chris, which yes, you know, yeah. and deserved. And, you know, you and Tony have done great work with paratrooper, man. I've been really enjoying the, the last couple episodes. Really glad you guys brought that back. Solid show, uh, with you guys and Mr. Anderson too. I have to talk to that cat some, sometime too. He's uh he seems interesting. Oh, he is. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, let me ask you this, six. Um, 
I'm pretty sure, Don, you had mentioned your 9-11 experience at the Free World event. And you've, yeah. talked, you've talked about it before, too, like on iProtest and things. Yeah. Six, I don't think I've actually flat out asked you, what was your uh, Tuesday, September 11, 2001 experience? Oh, so funny that you bring up Tuesday, right? Because I just mentioned our friend Tony Arterburn and what he talked about there, about things landing on a Tuesday. <laughs> so um my my high school's graduating song was Tuesday's Gone by Leonard Skinner. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And I graduated high school in 2001. So that fall I was out of school. Um hadn't yet uh declared where I was I was going to further my education. Yeah. And uh while working um that that morning i guess i had a, a dentist appointment of some sort on the other side of town as i always went to see the same dentist growing up and um i remember being in the shower and i listened to howard stern at the time because he was on the radio and um i remember him describing like i, I believe it was the which which tower fell first chris because i, I don't want to watch that okay okay building two they Thank you. Yes, I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna call it building too. Okay. Um, when he described that falling, like I remember just, and and Chris, you could probably identify with this in a way. I, I felt what those people must have felt. Yeah. Like when that happened to me. Now I know that there are a lot of people that feel a lot of different ways about this event, but the people that passed in that event i i believe i felt that and i i punched the fucking wall in the shower like i'm glad mm -hmm. i didn't break my hand <laughs> and it was just one of those things where just like i i just felt that loss or what that must have been like and now years later i mean you get into like the topics like trauma-based mind control and other things <laughs> like you know like i've been introduced to this different world of thinking right outside of that box that i was in back then and you know, I realized that maybe that box just got a little bit bigger year by year. And then I'm starting to understand the landscape a little bit more. Just as you venture out like in an RPG and start to understand the map a little bit better and know where stuff is. Yeah. Like for me, like I'm no, I'm no expert in, in this topic. And I'm someone that really, when it first happened, I was willing to accept that this was an attack. I, I mean, and, and for me, what happened afterwards is what started to turn me. What I started seeing reflections of in my culture. Um, huge shout out to the band Lamb of God for yeah. writing amazing songs that talked about what the youth of, of that day were experiencing. Like if there was like our, our Crosby, Stills and Nash, right, Don? Yeah. Like if you're writing about war or, or Bob Dylan, like i'm putting lamb of god up there with that for my generation like they really stood up and 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 said some things about it and also system of a down yeah. um sure. now at the time i was still leaning more towards the right honestly in my ideology and i'd grown up listening to a lot of conservative talk radio so as this is going on like of course like i'm listening to all the other stuff that's out there about this and the way that they steered those arguments. And I can see that now, like I can understand looking back as an older man and like having these 
these things presented to me that I, I can see how this affected us and other things that we're not going to talk about on YouTube. <laughs> but, right. you know, but, but for me and Don, I don't know if you can identify with this as much, but for me, looking at the perspective for someone from Chris and I's generation, how the hell do I, did they get us like this twice in a lifetime? Yeah. But it happens so often, doesn't it, Don? Yeah, well, they, they, you know, as Jim Garrison said about the, uh, after the JFK assassinations, is that why should they change what they're doing? It's working. So, I mean, they, they know how to do it and they know how, you know, uh, controllable people are. I want to put these, we're getting lots of good comments on here, but it's not letting me put them up on screen, I guess, because I didn't start the stream. Can you do that, Chris? Uh, six. That's a good question. Oh, because <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of cool comments here, but you know, usually I just click on it, it goes up, but it's not letting me. And I guess it's because I didn't start. Although I don't start to, no, no, I do start the stream over. Tony produces it, but I don't know. I guess it's because it's different. Yeah, it's but six. if there's a way, uh, yeah, we could throw them all up. If, yeah, because uh, we have lots of you know, everybody hates Raymond's here, Karen Carpenter, does, regular does comments to any of your current destinations on my end. I think it's because I am perma banned from YouTube, Don. <laughs> oh, okay. and this being my StreamYard account, uh, we we were probably very lucky. Oh, there we go. There you Chris, go. Cool. You hey, look at me. Yeah, I learned there something. You go, Chris, you got there you go. Let me go. Let me go back to the beginning, just so we don't miss anybody. Jacqueline, there's, there's, there's lots of Tom, Tom Cooper. Oh, oh yeah, brother Tom. Good to see brother Tom in the channel. Okay, Always. so we got everybody hates Raymond. It's amazing that we are still mulling over what happened 22 years ago, and so unfocused on the newest blue car, trash can umbrella anomaly. That's right. That's right. We're blue. It's the Homer Simpson effect. <laughs> well, anyway, as you were saying, sex. Um, you mean like the, when the war on terror was steamrolled over us, and all mm -hmm. that kind of started to turn you around about maybe the the official narrative of uh, that. Yeah, we'll just stay right away from the, the latest uh, thing, latest and greatest, because otherwise it, 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 this will stay up if we stay away from that. So I'll well, do well, too. Yeah, but here's what here's what sticks, guys. And it sticks in all cases, doesn't it, Don? Mm -hmm. The forensics. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, when you have forensical anomalies, when you have things, if that's even a term, sorry. But if if when you have things that are part of the official story, that do not make logical sense. That's where I have a problem. <laughs> that's not saying that there's a grandiose plan. That's not saying that it's all a lie. That's not to say that everything was a freaking hologram. That's yeah. just saying that, hey, we found something that right. doesn't fit the narrative, that doesn't fit the story. So then, then you ask for what? You ask for an explanation, right? You go to whomever is supposed to be in charge, and you ask them, hey, what's up with this? But what do you usually get? Do you get transparency? Do you get the, the recognition even of a First Amendment? Um, do, do you get persecution potentially? You know, do, uh, if you're someone that asks for the truth and these type sorts of uh, things, I mean, Graves, do you end up like Bill Cooper? <laughs> you know, that, yeah, that's... they uh, kill you in your own backyard. So we, yeah. I mean, when we talk about these things, like I'm willing to have any type of discussion, but the people that bring it the best are the people that bring it on the forensic evidence. Yeah, right. And and, and you, you just like I already see any word is a, I think any word word is one of my most prominent uh, flat earther listeners, I believe. So uh, shout out to you, any word. Shout out to you from the great non giant spinning ball wearing through space, but uh, <laughs> or, or a bunch of globalists, Don. 
or what exactly right? We can't be globalists. How can we be globalists? But <laughs> uh, but uh, any word says uh, Richard Gage still thinks plain. See that and Richard Gage is great, and he you know yeah. he and oh thank you for Varen saw I saw that he loves your two cents. I, I appreciate that Varen, but. Um, you know, so you, you get these things, much as Mark Lane said, you know, when he wrote Russian Judgment, my mentor, the guy I started out with as a teenage volunteer back in the mid-70s, like started me down these rabbit holes of the JFK assassination. When he wrote Russian Judgment, best-selling book on the on the uh, criticism of the Warren Report, um, he said, you know, this thing hasn't been investigated. So uh, it's because it didn't investigate, it provided fertile ground for speculation. And that's what we can say about all these things. We can say about nine, so 9-11, because the 9-11 Commission didn't investigate anything any more than the Warren Commission did. Yeah. It prevent it has there's fertile ground for speculation. So you're gonna have Dr. Judy Wood and Jim Fetzer and all these people are gonna fill the void because the FBI is not honest. The NYPD wasn't honest, uh, the, the 9-11 Commission certainly wasn't honest. So there's nobody honestly investigating. I mean, most of us think because they, they they at least knew what happened if they weren't involved. I mean, that's logical speculation again fertile green for ground for speculation. But so I don't know if it, it, it was planes, holograms, empty buildings, there's all these things and we can talk about it. And there's, there's evidence for, you know, you can find evidence for anything. And it's best, it, but because it wasn't investigated yeah. and it wasn't, then, uh, then all we can do is analyze the evidence. That's why, you know, Chris, uh, I love the fact that you like the anomalies and uh, those, I, I love that stuff too, because you find these little, uh, little nuggets out there and you can't explain them well let's just let's let's uh now that you went you went there in a way um this <laughs> is something that always bothered me too they claim that the first jumper was at 854 minutes after uh, yes yes, yes. <laughs> the north tower of the world trade center i usually get hit with the response well the fire was so intense that the uh, a person's body is going to fling them out of the building away from the fire so I mean, how do you argue against a response like that, or when someone throws something like that at you? Because then it, I don't know how to respond to that without sounding like an idiot. Like, well, you know, like, it, well, if it's it's the way it was phrased, and that's the NIST report. Yeah, that's the mainstream report. That's not a conspiracy theorist. That's not Jim Fetzer or somebody saying it. They said the first person jumped. Now, if I could, I could certainly buy if something really hit the plane that maybe. The uh, the impact propelled them out, and yeah, I would buy they, if they landed on Fetzer's hair, they would have survived. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, but that's not what the NIST say. They didn't frame it that way, right? And so, um, but and you also consider all these things are you know you don't because you can have an anomaly like that maybe that's isolated and it's just you know okay, but there are things that you you um, you consider it in the context of everything else about the jumpers. Yeah, and we know, and, and again, you look at where a lot of this stuff from the jumpers came from—the Naudet brothers, and the Naudet brothers are suspect themselves. And we can talk about that: why they were there, who they were filming with, and a policeman, actor, type of guy. Why they happened to be there, how he panned up just at the right time. You know, somebody said, "Well, he we heard a plane overhead." Well, I imagine you hear planes overhead all the time. I guess maybe it was suddenly so loud, but he panned up perfectly and he got it. And unlike Abraham Zapruder. If you watch the whole movie, you'll see the jiggling there, the jiggling effect, which kind of messed people up when they were looking at it because he, he, you know, he kind of jumped and jittered when he heard gunshots and he saw what was going on. Uh, this guy panned up perfectly. Yeah. There was no Jerry. I mean, he, you think he would have shaken like crazy. And he's like, oh, my God, the plane's going into the building. No, he didn't do that. And uh, 
And, and I'm not sure what the gimbal technology was back then to help keep cameras like that stable. Like, yeah, Chris, well, they, you'd probably know more about the gear, maybe that was. Well, the thing I like to the thing I like to point out is that um, there were gas leaks being reported all over Lower Manhattan that day, and every time a new gas leak was reported, the mainstream media that would be in would be in position to maybe capture something that wouldn't have been good for the people running the show to get out. That gas leak excuse was used to, to get, to make the media have to keep backing up, you know, but originally the gas leaks started getting reported very early on that day. And that's what got, um, Jules, I think it was Jules that was the Jules, one. Yeah. Jules Nade into place with that fire crew because they were inspecting a gas leak. You could even see uh, Chief Joseph Pfeiffer in the in the footage uh, with a meter uh, down on the ground near uh, a gas uh, gas vent or whatever you want to call it, sewer cover. So that put him into place to capture the footage mm -hmm. of Flight Eleven. And he wasn't the only one that captured it either. Another guy by the name of, he was a, a foreign, uh, well, he was a tourist called uh, Havala, I believe. And he miraculously uh, got the other footage of Flight 11, which you can barely tell yes, yeah. anything. And he has a curious background too, but we don't have time for that today. But he yeah. was uh, waiting in the in traffic and he was able yes. to pan over at just the right moment too. I think third instance of uh, any kind of photographic evidence of flight 11 came from a guy named wolfgang uh, uh not halbig yeah. young Wolf. wolfgang halbig yeah <laughs> he's conveniently showing up everywhere no a guy named wolfgang and even if i could remember his last name uh, people can look it up flight 11 wolfgang it was a guy that had his cameras um, basically pointed at the World Trade Center and he had an art exhibit and supposedly he caught a couple of frames of Flight 11 and the explosion that ensued. But anyway, that's all we know in terms of uh, known footage, except for the dancing Israelis, which is a lightning topic in the 9-11 truth. Right. Well, because then you get anti-Semitic uh, comments, which right. I think is ridiculous because uh, they were a part of this narrative. Yes. This story. Yeah. I mean, is it anti-Semitic if you judge they, them on their dance moves, though? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they were in place, and they filmed the first plane uh, hitting and the second plane. Now, the question about those individuals is who told them to document the event, and how did they know there was an event to document, and why didn't they warn anybody? So there is footage that the public right there is not being privy to in terms of both planes. No, kind of like run-ins and wrestling. Like, how do they know the bad guy's music is going to play? Like, yeah. right but I mean, the, the, my my point about the jumper was the only because you know just uh, yeah, I went off on a tangent. No, well, I know because I brought up the non-Ep brothers. But you know, again, if you if you look at that NIST report, four minutes, they okay, whatever happened, somebody according to them jumped four minutes, got suicide on four minutes, which is pretty to me incomprehensible. But uh, but if you can sit if you look at the other anomalies with the jumpers, now the Donette brothers made the. I think the totally ridiculous claim that people were jumping every 40 to 50 seconds. Yeah. <clears throat> That's what they said. Now was the four minute jumper on fire though? 
Like uh, just to be skeptical. Like I was. Uh, there were I mean, pictures. There were still photos that were analyzed at places like Let's Roll dot nine eleven. Yeah, yes, yeah. That did show jumpers that appeared to have you know flames on you know, on the body, but they looked kind of weird. It looked. It all looked very weird. And then some people, they seem to be. In my opinion, they seem to be too far away. Like they, yes, I was going to say that. And that let's let's now let's roll forums has their own issues as well. Yes, they do. You got Phil Jahan and there and all these people who have this irrational hatred of William Rodriguez. They have a whole section of Rodriguez yeah. which I don't understand. And I, I tried to ask them. Either. Yeah, yeah, they didn't answer. But then Rodriguez said he doesn't do interviews anymore, or he wasn't doing when I tried to get him either. So, yeah. but, see, folks, being an asshole ruins everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so Sorry in my life. <laughs> but if you look at the, 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 when they, and I was, uh, you know, amazed at that by, by, I mean, and it, I don't know, but it, it made a lot of sense to me that if you're never having jumped out of a window before, uh, if you, but it made sense to me, if you do, you're probably not going to be able to go that far away from the building. I don't think you're going to get that far. And, uh, they were looking at like, again, they were measuring some of these photos of those. the individual I'm thinking of was a kind of a heavy set gentleman without his shirt on. Is it the same picture that that you're thinking of? Uh, I think there were several that they showed. It just it yeah. just looked like that the body was way too far away from the building, and they were saying like, you know, they and they were doing measurements. They said they could. I don't know, but it just looked to me like it was way too far. I would think if you jumped, you'd probably be, you might even bounce off the building as you go down. I mean, how how right. far out can the average person jump? And yeah. uh, so those are the kind of things. And then. I don't know. I've never been around that, but I question what the Naudettes were saying about how it sounded like a sonic boom every time they hit the ground. I, I don't know. It does well, that. They had, a, they had audio in their uh, their film uh, comm commemorating 9-11 that Robert yeah. De Niro narrated. It sounded like uh, smashing glass, but supposedly yeah. that was them hitting the pavement. Yeah, that's. A, but I, you know, I don't know. Who knows what. Exactly. Uh, what that would sound like, but I mean, I yeah. I just think that that's that's one thing that people don't analyze, and they because they just look at. And I think it was very strange that they stopped showing them. And of course, they went to the, the emotional response. Well, you know, but okay, were they really that concerned about the public's feelings, or did they not want people looking at it so people like us could analyze it closer? Exactly. You know, like what's what's going on here? And again, the Jack White. Again, I, I bring him up all the time because he doesn't get any credit in JFK or 9/11 or or uh, Apollo Moon hoax either. He was great in all those. He was. Yeah. He was great, and he and I were he and I were becoming friends uh, when he unfortunately passed away. I know he would have loved hidden history, but he did a great work on Building Seven and the Twin Towers and the Pentagon, everything. And he analyzed them because he was a photographic expert, and he showed how the, the fires just weren't that bad anywhere where the people were supposedly jumping from, he said, it didn't, it didn't make sense that they would have all given up like that. Right. And, and, and if, if the not brothers are right, every 40 to 50 seconds, that's hundreds of people, I guess. I, but, and I've heard estimates that there were hundreds. Officially, I don't know. Officially 200 people supposedly uh, yeah. were jumpers. Yeah. I see Vince Agnelli, our friends here. Good to see oh, you. I'm Vince. getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing I want to say, Jack White, you had mentioned, yeah. He he had photographs on his website years ago. Yeah. Of dumpsters in front of the Pentagon that were creating smoke. Most of the smoke that people thought was coming from the plane crash was actually coming from dumpster construction dumpsters right in front where the helipad was. Mm -hmm. And I remember him doing that uh that 
research by analyzing that footage. And I'll give you another one that I wish I had in front of me right now. But he had Fox News footage of FBI guys with like, uh, what do you call that thing when like bought like a trolley or a flatbed? When you're bringing something flat flatbed, yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll go with flatbed. Okay, when okay. you're moving like large objects around, like, yeah, 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 yeah. in the back of a van or something, they call it like a little truck, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Hand, hand, a hand truck, hand, hand, hand truck, hand, hand truck, truck, hand truck. Yeah. They he was analyzing uh, still frames from Fox News footage of FBI guys in an FBI marked van that had these hand trucks, and they were. I'm not saying that they put this evidence on the sidewalk, but they were very close to some of these engines that they, they said was uh flight 175's engines. Those pictures I've been trying to find again for like 20 years, but Jack White had brought that up too. Oh, I'm glad you know about him. Cause he, 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 uh, he doesn't get any credit. Yep. And uh, you know, he was, I used to defend him on the, when I was still going to the JFK forums, I was defending because people, even after he died, they, you know, they're constant. and this, you know, Jack White before he died, he yeah. was uh, he was the victim of a very strange attack where some crazy naked guy showed up at his house and, and uh, stabbed him with an ice pick. I mean, you know, these are these are the things some people go through, and people, and you know, people just assume. Well, I think maybe it's one of those JFK guys that, that you pissed off that put a pudding on your picture. Uh, yeah, well, they 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 <laughs> they made fun of that. That's for sure. Those, those yeah. JFK guys, believe me, uh, <laughs> yeah, very mature. You know, that yeah. Just a little bit. I'm sure they would. They would uh, love this discussion because they uh, they think this is all crazy. But I mean, so this it's important today because those anomalies matter. Just like, uh, well, I can't mention the other subject, but uh, you know what I'm talking about. Things where I, I think you don't the JFK assassination. You you the the mysterious deaths of witnesses are important. The umbrella man is important. You talking it's about like, the the uh, possible incident that happened in uh, Connecticut, state over from Massachusetts. You're talking about when the the hijackers supposedly went there? No, I'm, I was trying to dance around. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, no, no, we, we won't even go there because I, I hope police will stay up for a while. We can. Yeah, but, yeah, all right, all right. Yeah. But I mean, and, and you know, it's another another anomaly. I don't know what six thinks about that, but I, I'm I'm still amazed that you know this uh, that Muhammad Atta, who's probably if anybody, most Americans don't know anything, but if they if they do know the name of any of the supposed hijackers, it's probably Muhammad Atta. It's kind of the easiest for them to say, and they used it. They they mentioned him a lot. He was the McVeigh and Oswald of 9-11. Yeah, exactly. He was the McVeigh and Oswald. So, uh, you know, his his father had to go to Germany, German television or German media, because the American media wasn't interested in hearing anything like this, which would would only turn the complete case upside down and kind of, you know be the bombshell story of uh, of the year for them. But they're not interested in that because they don't do any investigative journalism. They're state controlled media. But if they had been, they would have done with Germany. Germany talked to Muhammad Atta's father, who reported that he talked to his son the day after 9-11, which is a strange thing to be able to do to a dead terrorist. But he did. And, uh, you know, and it's an odd thing for a dead terrorist to call his father the day, but he did. And uh, supposedly, and he gave, you know, said, hey, he's being framed by the Mossad. He mentioned that, too. And uh, he was in hiding and there the story ends, you know, and, uh, but. Well, he had a fiance that had ties to Jeffrey Epstein, by the way. So. Oh, that's. <laughs> still trying to get a hold of her. She's still kicking somewhere. Those are the connections. And that's, we, that, and that's the thing with the thread that runs through these things. The connections are everywhere. And the rabbit holes 
And the reason people believe things, uh, you know, things we you've heard me mention it before. I, I just I don't know why I was struck, but you know, they there were a handful of witnesses that the media gravitated to on the street in New York, and one of them they picked was an attractive young woman. Okay, you know, yeah, I could see, but there's lots of attractive young women I'm sure that were looking up the buildings, right. but this particular one, uh, what maybe 10, 20, 10 20, about fifteen 10, years later, ten to yeah, fifteen years later pops up again in the news is perhaps the most high profile of all Tiger Woods mistresses yeah. that showed up after he had his accident and ruined his golf career and, you know, that whole thing. Uh, so, I mean, I guess it's possible she could have been the one they picked out, but it's just like we talked about how that recently we got the video from the Al, the ridiculous old Al Sharpton show on MSNBC and two of the, I'm sure they only had a handful of questioners in the audience. Two of the ones they questioned were a young Vivek Ramaswamy. And a young Pete Buttigieg. I mean, you do the odds on that one. So that's why, you know, when I talk about these things, these things are all connected and people need to have a little, think of the odds of that, you know, but that's, well, I'm, six isn't getting a chance to talk. Sorry. Two presidential candidates and a honeypot. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> exactly. that, sounds like, that sounds like a hell of a joke, Don. That's right. Something. Yeah. But uh, five, no, five uh, dancing Israelis walk into a bar. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> there you go. And yeah, and Muhammad Atta is dealing there. Um, and what no, point I, did the what did the dancing Israelis turn into the dancing Arabs, uh, according to Donald Trump? Or the dancing nurses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly. Oh, oh, those nurses were yeah. just they they just spontaneously came up with that full choreographed thing. It's nothing. They're nothing dancing for the... climate change, not 9-11 truth. You got the Harley Davidson, the Harley <laughs> yeah. guy with the Harley shirt. He's telling yeah. them how how you know. Yeah, Chris, I remember you telling me about Harley Davidson guy too. Um, you yeah, you've put me in whole, a lot of these anomalies the and stories. Years, so. Of the collapses in like the moment they happened. You yeah. remember that, right, Don? The Harley, the guy with the Harley Davidson shirt. He goes, "Oh yeah, mostly hey. due to the uh, the structure, the the damage. Oh yeah, that was the, that was the well, that was the guy that had all the answers on the street. Yeah, they're all yeah. the he already he's already theorizing. Well, the whole just like story. Six said, <laughs> Six said he was listening to Howard Stern. And I used to listen to Howard Stern back in the yeah. day too, when he was he was very good at that time. But you know he he would reveal himself like he always said Oswald did it. He's yeah. arguing with Richard Belzer when he had him on the show and stuff, which is always a great career move in Hollywood because it's pretty much, I think you have to say that to, you know, to get on the air. But, oh, uh, nice. but he, but, but he, uh, remember it was WNBC. 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 <laughs> but he, but he also, uh, he was, uh, and I talked about this in Hidden History, he was one of the first, if not the first, to immediately say when he was reporting it that morning that, hey, this is terrorism. And I believe he mentioned Osama bin Laden very early on too. So he's a he was a very uh, you know uh, very uh, prescient uh, shock jock, I guess. Well, it's yeah, funny he, how things he, enter the conversation this way, right? And especially back then with the way media was controlled. Like when you were talking about uh, earlier about just what it was like to even get footage or any type of documentation from what was going on on the ground. Like we're yeah. we're experiencing that right now in Lahaina, <laughs> right? Yeah, they have a black tarp around this place. Yeah, uh, and when it comes to forensics too, like we we can talk all day about Muhammad Atta's uh, passport and where that may have ended up, but uh, I think that was uh, finalized somewhat on uh, America Unplugged <laughs> when you guys talked about it, maybe. But well, uh, well, one of the guests on the panel for I protest on Friday, 
Oh, you mentioned go. the uh, the hijacker's name, and it wasn't Muhammad Atta, but it's the same idea. It's still ridiculous. And over yes, time. yeah. It was given to Rex Toom by Bernard Carrick. Rex Toom was the FBI spokesperson that basically was in charge of the Osama bin Laden uh, did it thing for the FBI, at least. And he made those, uh, he made that press conference about finding the passport undamaged and everything. Rex tomb pops up a whole bunch of nine 11 truth stuff. So, yeah, mm -hmm. but I wanted to go before, before I forget, um, speaking of I protest, which, uh, I'm, I was honored to, to be asked to be a part of the, the show, uh, last Friday, we kind of got into, I don't even want to say a debate because, it, um, it was nothing really to debate, at least to my my part. Right. But it was brought up like when I, I had mentioned that, and I think you mentioned too, Don, that there were secondary explosions reported at the Pentagon. Yeah. And when I heard uh, one of the gentlemen say that that wasn't the case, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna, mm -hmm. I'm gonna do a show, and I'm gonna play the clip." Mm -hmm. So if you guys would just bear with me, sure. I have that clip sure. right here. Just a I'm sure he's listening in. <laughs> <laughs> and not like I told you so kind of thing. It was just like I, I wish I had that as a response or on hand. Yeah, you're citing party. you're citing your evidence for support. Okay, just let me know if you guys can hear and see this. Everybody's in shock. It's it's unbelievable. Is it hard to hear? I got yeah. you, the bottom. Okay. Like everybody's in shock. It's it's unbelievable. I just I it's a dark day. Very dark day. And I, I just heard an explosion back over that way. I'm not sure what that was either. So I'm just trying to get home to my family and, and uh, try to get let people do what they need to do here and try to get people out of the way and let the emergency people do what they got to do. What are they telling employees now? Did they give you any information over there about what you should do? No, they actually have. I was inside here. They have the gates locked. I was able to jump over the gate to get out. They're not opening the gates. I don't know why. I'm sure it's a security concern, but they stopped people from climbing over the fence. So I was able to get out and I was just going to walk down. Somebody was yelling for help, that they needed help. So I was trying to get down there and then the uh, security people were moving everybody back. So they did, must. Did you see any fatalities at all? Uh, Anybody no, hurt? I could not see. All I could see was I couldn't even see part of the airplane sticking out of the building. It, uh, apparently the tailpiece is sticking out of the building according to. That's what that was? Yeah. People, uh, Lark and Michael, people are telling me the Washington Monument has just been hit. Uh, we're still trying to confirm that. We all heard the same loud boom out here, and we're now just kind of looking to see what it was. Okay, so Audrey will be. Uh... Okay, well, there's also another clip I wish I had on hand. It's of Porter Goss, of all people, <laughs> talking to a crowd of reporters, and you clearly hear a huge explosion in the background and even Porter looks over his shoulder too. So there were all kinds of explosions going on. And a lot of people think that they were responsible for that wall that came down that made it look like a bigger gash in the building than it actually initially was. Cause that hole was like a 16 foot hole, I think. Right, Don, the original pictures. Yeah. And then uh, Graham McQueen and others have uh, tabulated that there were over 150 first responders that heard explosions. And if you, hopefully the video is going to come out of the free NYC event. Cause uh, you know, not, not only do you get to, uh, to hear my slightly, hopefully amusing uh, chat and trying to throw some light on, you know, some little comedic light on this, trying to look at this with well, this. I try to, to laugh at this stuff because you have to, 
Yeah. Otherwise you cry. It's too dark. You know, you have to try to, I think, find humor. And I can laugh at it, but you'll also hear Richard Gage is uh, very impressive uh, and it's truncated. It's not his whole, you know, it's, it's like a four hour presentation, but he, I think it's about an hour or a little over an hour, yeah. but it's, uh, it's fantastic. And he has, he has all, it's just bullet point after bullet point. J John Blasiglund, good to see you here. He says, uh, he mentions Dr. Alan Sobrowski. Alan Sobrowski is my friend on Facebook and he was on, I protest uh, my show a couple of years ago, I think. Very interesting guy. So uh, you might try to find the archives in America unplugged.com there. But yeah, this is, um, it, it's amazing because we're, you know, we have, you know, we have the evidence on our side, but all they can do now, this guy was nice enough that was on the show. He wasn't calling names or anything, but um, he was just misinformed about so many things. There wasn't debris. Jamie yeah. McIntyre wasn't taken out of context. He said, there's no debris here. He didn't answer my email because he's not going to answer any email because he's been asked a million times about it. And he, well, what did, you he hear, did you hear the, the the gentleman in the clip right there towards the end? He goes, yeah, I've been told that the part of the plane is sticking out, like the tail is sticking out. He was told that by someone. He didn't yeah. see it. No. Well, I mean, well, that, and that's the point is what happened. Then we have like on 9-11 and I'll have that. And Chris, Chris helped us so much. Chris and Peter Sikash, if he shows up, I don't know if he'll be up, but so much research for me on uh, the, the upcoming, what was going to be Hidden History 3, but it's going to be called the American Memory Hole, how the court historians promote disinformation. The 9-11 section is full of, you know, lots of great stuff we didn't have in Hidden History, and a lot of that's due to Chris's work. And uh, one of the ones is the guys, I forget, and again, I forget a lot of these names, Chris probably remembers, but the witness that saw the woman fall and uh, claimed that she she was pregnant and I claimed just, the came um, out <laughs> it looked like a water yeah it's funny well yeah uh the other night with uh conspiring uh with i don't even remember the name of my own show here okay conspiring with this trooper we i included that clip from that that documentary uh that came out in 2002 his name was dave donovan and yeah that's it yeah, yeah i've been yeah. trying to find him or any kind of any kind of I don't know. Kind of like with a, another, kind of like with another event. There's uh, people that gave interviews that don't have a presence online, and they're almost like ghosts. Yeah. And there, there's a certain teacher. I'm not going to name names or what the event was, but it reminded me of a teacher that gave uh, eyewitness to a horrible tragedy. And I can't find any sign of them on the internet. It doesn't mean yeah. they don't exist, but this this individual gave interviews about seeing a pregnant woman uh, fall from the North Tower and like a watermelon mm -hmm. and her baby popped out with the umbilical cord and just went yeah. squat. Like the way he was describing it was like, okay, whoa. You know, would that happen? Is that even sign? Well, why would that, why would that induce birth? That doesn't make any sense. Dramatic, but I mean, I don't know. I guess it's you know. It was that right sounds like a gimmick were... from like Metalocalypse. That doesn't even yeah. sound real. Okay, it sounds yeah, like yeah. the war drums beating because it was right before Iraq when this documentary was played. And there's, and I, I think I told Chris this for I've never been able to find it, but I remember hearing somewhere, seeing on a clip of something, but I couldn't find out what, where some witness that claimed he saw part of uh, one of the planes in one of the towers. And uh, like he saw like the people in their seats and stuff. And it was it's only one. You say that, Don, because yeah. I have that clip that I was going to show. <laughs> there oh, you yeah. go. I do if anybody would have been. I mean, how do you explain that? It's ridiculous. They talked about how there was uh, uh, hijackers' bodies intact in the cockpit. Mm -hmm. Found. 
Um, and also, Dave, this... Uh, I mean, were they frozen beforehand? <laughs> yeah. This individual that we're talking about, uh, Donovan there, he actually, in his statement on that documentary, mentions that he saw airplane seats with victims without their limbs and everything. How did he see that from his vantage point? Yeah. You know, that's what I'm just... It just seems odd to me. Maybe... Well, and, and, and I, you know, the whole the whole thing about the both all all three crash sites, but if there was a crash site in Pennsylvania, whatever happened there. But uh, in the, uh, I just remember, you know, just looking at the uh, the 1945 event when uh, I think a DC three bomber, I think it was Empire in, State uh, Building, yeah, Empire State Building, and uh, if you look at that, um, yeah, it didn't have any jet fuel to cascade down to the lobby and burn people up magically, but uh, it was an aircraft and. Uh, it it didn't disintegrate. There was fuselage that was sticking out, and some of it, which, which you would expect to see, I would have expected to see on 9-11. I would have expected some of the back, like the back of the plane, like to be sheared off and, and come crashing down to the street. And that's what happened in 1945. You had parts of the airplane that were, you know, there's photographs out there of them on the street with it. And if you look at the damage, the damage was confined to the point of impact, like the office or offices where it hit. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. And so many people have pointed that I, I don't care. They can come up with as many fairy tales as they want. This magical jet fuel uh, cocktail, which they admit, you know, they tell again, they tell you these things. They, first of all, science sets out, okay, this is the temperature at which steel melts. And then they report, they just matter of fact, I think it's 1600, whatever it is. But in, in, in their report, they talk about fires got up to as, as high as 800 degrees Fahrenheit or something like that which yeah. is only like half of what it takes to melt. And that's will tell you the melt it. So again, no, and no, there's no report. There's no lowest lane there to say, well, wait a minute. Then if steel doesn't melt until it reaches this temperature and you just said it only got up to this temperature, how did they melt? But there again, and that's all you would need is an investigative press because they, they can't, they can't withstand that kind of scrutiny. They would run crying from the room. And yeah. it would be all over because they, their stories make no sense. This whole thing is ridiculous. And the Naudette brothers are right in the middle of that, too. Remember, they stopped filming in the lobby because of what they saw there. People running around burned alive and all this stuff. The lobby. And they ran over there right very shortly after the impact. Yeah. So you're going to tell me that this magical jet fuel cocktail, you know, somehow cascaded through the... And how did it get down to the lobby without making the building collapse before that? Wasn't it, you know melting the steel as it went down because it still took like for the second one it took like uh, i think an hour or something but yeah. you know so what what did uh but they, they, they so they out of deference they stopped filming come on i mean this is just the whole thing is ridiculous and and for people and it's it's great to see that so many people uh don't believe in it but the fact that that people still do and is that's what I call America 2.0. I say America 2.0 was born on September 11, 2001. I think that's primarily what created it. And uh, we've never been the same since. I remember at the time, Phil, I remember going to uh, – my son hasn't started playing travel soccer yet, so he was still in the house league, so I was his coach. And uh, I remember just the feeling just going to the first game after 9-11, and uh, it was just different. Because of course I had you know so many doubts, and I realized instantly. Look at all these people that liked me as a coach, and I realized I can't talk about this to anybody. That's right. I can't say a word. Yeah. And you know they're all waving their flags. I remember people were driving through our neighborhood with you know multiple American flags on their pickup trucks, and 
And, and, you know, it's, I worked with a guy named Muhammad at the time yeah. and he was terrified. His name was Muhammad Hassan. Did he call himself he, like Jack or something after that? No, no. He, 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 <laughs> I was trying to help him. He wanted to change his name. We were going to try to see how he could legally change it to Matthew. Matthew. And I said, yeah, that doesn't sound too Muslim. But I mean, he was just, and he, and he was it, like when we had back then before the internet, we had a, uh, uh, an older system where we would have to, in, in IT, we would have like when you're messaging all the other people, you would have like a turnover that was like through an old uh, Unix system. And so like a log. And so you would, have, and he, he would constantly put God bless America. And, and what, it just ridiculous. That had nothing to do with work. Because and I, I I felt so bad for him. Said, you didn't want to get killed, Don. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was scared, and I, I don't blame him because they were looking for anybody named Indian Hoppe. people. Indian people that own gas stations were getting shot and executed. Yes, uh, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. It was a sad time, but that that was, it really was. Uh, so as an adult at the time with kids, and of course I was you know volunteering in my kids' schools. I was very active coaching and everything, but I had to, I had to be close lipped. Because I had, I had, and I had to hear all the normies, and they were all normies. Yeah. You know, I had to hear them all talking you know, the different stuff. Uh, you know, think they'll get Bin Laden, and you know, there's terrorists. What are we going to do? You know, and I just had to, <laughs> you know, did you watch any of this stuff? Did you see the way that building came down? I mean, did that look natural to you? I mean, did, did that look like a Hollywood movie? But uh, and anyway, I, I was able to, uh, you know, to uh, suppress myself a little better back then. Well, what do you think? Um, what do you think the possibility or the probability that an intact cockpit would be able to penetrate one of those towers and come out the other side unscathed, including uh, whoever or whomever was uh, piloting it? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what you know. What, what well, the reason some... I ask this is because this was. This Fox News reporter with a straight face is about to say that that exact thing happened. Can okay. I chime in to say that you would probably have better odds at a Trump casino because uh, <laughs> yeah. orange because of Orange Jesus? Yeah, uh, oh, Tang Tangs. Yeah, throwing yeah. that out there for our buddy. Throw out the Harlan Stonewall. George is Jesus. <laughs> yeah. All right, let me play. Let me play this uh, um, apparently realistic clip. Or at least say that's what they wanted us to think. Okay. Been some movement on that. Law enforcement sources tell us, not confirmed, but sources tell us that the body of a uh, of a man believed to be one of the terrorists was found in uh, the cockpit ruins. That is because we're told uh, he was dressed not in pilot's clothes, was not in a uh, uniform of a commercial pilot, but some other clothes, so it could be a body of one of the terrorists. Also, some chilling news, a body uh, of a flight attendant also, uh, I'm told, has apparently been recovered. Uh, the flight attendant's hands were bound in the back by a wire. Uh, that would uh, then, of course, seem to indicate that the hijackers bound by wire, the flight attendants uh, with their hands behind their backs, which could provide one reason why uh, they were uh, not able or did not uh, put up a fight and were... Uh, basically relegated to one part of the plane. In terms of other news and evidence, uh, we are told that uh, there is evidence gathered from the plane that if the search and rescue uh, folks who are doing this find pieces of the aircraft that they think is the aircraft, that is segregated to a separate pile that is marked airplane uh, wreckage. And that is brought into a separate truck, uh, obviously uh, for very important reasons, because that could provide crucial evidence 
One of the major points of that is the evidence that has to do with the uh, so-called black boxes that are actually orange. The rescue workers here being told that that is priority number one besides the uh, search and rescue, but for the evidence to try and get those black boxes that are actually orange uh, that could provide such uh, clues and unravel some of the mystery of exactly what happened in the final moments of the uh, crash. Those boxes record about a half an hour of an airplane flight. I got a question. I got a question. Um, were they yeah. always orange? Yes, they were. <laughs> okay. I, I want to make sure because like I, if it used to be called a black box and it was indeed black and then they changed it to orange, I want to know when they changed it. If it's like a week before this happened. I'm oh, no, no. They, a little bit. They, <laughs> the standard black boxes were always, yeah, that orange, that special color orange. I forget the, the actual uh, name of that, that shade of orange they use. But let's just remember, Mike Ballone was a witness to the black boxes being recovered by the FBI. Also, I want to know if these trucks that the guy just referred to with the airplane parts in them, did that have something to do with the photographs on Jack White's website from 20 years ago? Because it's not like that's a chain of custody, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. any well, truck could have just been put into place. You know? But if you, if you watch that report, and again, it's, it's, it illustrates perfectly uh, the kind of uh, media we have. Because and it goes back to the JFK assassination. I think that's when... Um, and I used to, uh, I still have it somewhere in VHS. I had, they, they used to show on TV, uh, six hours worth of, uh, unedited, uh, NBC news coverage live of uh, the event. And so you got some, some interesting things there, you know, before they started. And, uh, and I used Secret to service, secret service agent was shot and killed as well. Right. right. Yeah. You had all that stuff. So, but you could see, even at that time, they were, the media was being retrained, and not, I mean, not that they were good before, but it's, with the JFK assassination was the first uh, widely covered event where television was important, where they had remote locations. And, the, and you know, Dan Rather, you know, was a local Dallas reporter and got his start lying about that. Uh, went on for bigger and better things. But so you can tell by the time this came along, and they had perfected this where you can see the guy, he's not doing any reporting at all. Yeah. He's just regurgitating whatever he's learning from the authorities. Usually that's an anonymous what, source. Yeah, and typically that's what they'll say. Officials say, authorities say, that's that's their entire. There's they don't ask any critical questions, yeah. and they don't do any investigating themselves, so they can report back. Hey, we found, we saw, everything is channeled through the police, the FBI, uh, whoever. If it's their their Congress or whatever they're reporting on, whoever the powerful authority is, that's who they report on. Later, they would just, you know, talk about the 9-11 commission or whatever. Uh, and but there's no there's no critical questioning at all. So even if they have a bunch of people saying that they may early on report people hearing explosions. But once they realize what that means, <laughs> yeah, then they just stop reporting it because there were no explosions. Yeah. Well, you the know, media they, chooses to report things that the government says is fact a lot. On. They 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 go ahead and they just say it out loud. They don't make sure that they frame these statements or claims as this is the government's statement or yeah. the government's claim on this as much. Right. They, they come out and they tell you this is what happened, folks. Yeah. Like it's it's, it's pathetic. And you watch it. I don't know. I didn't live in the Soviet Union, but I, so I don't know how TASS and Pravda reported back in the day. But it couldn't have been much different than this. What could they have done? They, what you know, you know, secretariat say, you know, or whatever, you know, this is commissar say, you know, comrade say, you know, that would that's basically what they're doing. 
Well, speaking of propaganda and Soviet-style stuff, um, this comment that's up there right now on the Let's Roll thing, man, I grew up a big fan of Neil Young. Um, A lot of my father's influence and stuff like that. But um, when that song came out and everything, I wasn't really a big fan of it. But I went and saw him in concert around that time anyway. And um, years later, I found the work of uh, a John Potash, who Chris, you got a chance yes. to talk to, yeah. I believe, Potash, on, yeah. on Digging Chris Graves. And yeah. uh, when I learned of the, um, well, the strange connections to that group with certain intelligence agencies, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. kind of wonder what makes a Let's Roll a hit single, doesn't it? I mean, I know they had a little bit more cred back then. You know, well, back to Dave McGowan would point it sure. out even more. Oh yeah, I listened to a lot of that stuff myself, obviously. And Neil Young was uh, is is closer to Bill Gates than he is to any of the people that buy his content. I mean, he's you know he's a multi-zillionaire. I think he owns like a 500 acre ranch or something in Canada. So and you know he's huge pro-vax, you know, pro-mask guy, and it, like almost and he all was of in them. the minor birds with Rick James who was once said to be on at, on AWOL from the military. Yes. Like he escaped to Canada uh, yeah. and that's where he bumped into Neil to, to be part of that band. And then I well, guess Dave, Dave, Dave McGowan was one of the first ones to, uh, to mention how, you know, because you, you, back in the day, Laurel Ridge and all this, the, the groups of the sixties, yeah. they were all prime draft age. Yeah. They should have all been drafted to Vietnam. None of them did. None of them went. How how did they how did they all manage to avoid the draft and, and nobody ever talked about none of, and none of them went to prison you know in protest they just never went maybe they got drafted into something else like being part yeah, of the propaganda yeah. arm of the intelligence agencies yeah, which was rock maybe, and roll yeah <laughs> maybe, maybe a military or intelligence family that's what it mm, seems oh to yeah work. yeah a lot of those ties to some a lot of major music figures over time. That's that's a whole separate but, special we'll have to do sometime. <laughs> well, to go back to your let's roll thing, right? You know yeah. who's you know who that came from. Well, it that came was from, the pilot, right? No, nope, no, that's the Todd Beamer story, right? Yes, Todd okay. Beamer. Yeah. But guess what? You know who actually is in charge of uh, spreading that story? One of the richest guys on the planet, yes. Larry Ellison of the CIA Oracle. front company Oracle. Yeah, and I found out because of Dave McGowan. That Lisa Beamer, uh, Todd Beamer's uh, yeah. widow, and Todd himself worked for Oracle. Yeah. And Larry himself, his boss, Todd's boss, had that whole Let's Roll story about three days before Lisa, his widow, even found out. So Larry was the one that was telling uh, everyone else at Oracle and in the media before the widow even knew the official hero Let's, let's Roll story. And let's remember at the time, Larry Ellison was mixed in with the national ID proposal uh, Mm -hmm. that they wanted for every American at the time that got shot down. One of the only things, uh, you know, because the Patriot Act, we all know, went through. Mm -hmm. But the national ID card was on the table after 9-11 for every American. Mm Mm-hmm. Sound like some other kind of passport that, uh, you know, we won't go into that too much, but, you know. Yeah, I know. Exactly. And, and Catherine, uh, Catherine Z. I'm really I'm slow with these on the screen. No, folks. that's fine. I'm just like Catherine, <laughs> Catherine Z talks about the gate agent Boston suicided. And, and uh, I, I was going to bring that up, Don, but I didn't know if you want to spoil everything. And uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I guess we don't. But I, the, 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 my book coming up, I, I, yeah, I can't. Uh, 
Otherwise, none of you will buy the book. I know there's so, so <laughs> uh, many other things I wanted to mention, but, but I, I, I did get I did get a hold of somebody who worked there and uh, to talk about that with. So uh, you'll have to. It's very very interesting case. So it did happen, yeah. and uh, but and so many people we couldn't get a hold of, and uh, including April Gallup, who's very fascinating. She was very vocal. She ended up suing Dick Cheney. Uh, she said nothing about what they reported about the Pentagon was right. Again, she worked there. It wasn't just Dick Cheney. It was Rumsfeld and Bush and yeah, yeah. Wolfowitz. And guess guess who was presiding over that case, Don? Yes. George W. Bush's cousin, I believe. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. well, I found that yeah, out. Right. I'm like, yeah, no conflict there, huh? No, no, I shouldn't have recused himself. So that, but so shockingly, the, the case was dismissed, but she's gone silent now. You know, you yeah. can't get a hold of her. So and that's and that's what so many of these witnesses uh are like and it's 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 a shame and it's it's uh because they some of them talked in the beginning but you know i i can't really blame them that much we talked about barry jennings who was the uh yeah he's the guy on. who heard explosions in building in building seven and yeah. uh guess yeah. what the person that he was with we tried to reach out to, to as well michael yes, Hess. Hess, yeah michael Hess could could not get a hold of him tried to and i would and he's still alive but maybe he wants to stay alive and he works for a Giuliani to this day. So. Yeah, there, there you go. Yeah, Mr. Mr. 9-11, uh, you know. Mr. January 6th. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mr. January 6th. Now he's become, uh, you know, discredited uh, insurrectionist. But, Mr. Hunter, uh, Hunter Biden's laptop. Yeah, yeah. Am yeah. I saying all the things that are going to get this uh, kicked off of YouTube? No, no, there's only one subject. As long as we, as oh, long as we stay right there, be, cool. Before that happens, may I remind everybody that if you want people <laughs> to be able to uh, eventually read what, Don and Chris here we're about to talk about buy Don's books and go on and review them on Amazon so everybody can see Please good reviews recommend them to yeah. the libraries too well and you know like especially you know the masking the truth which we won't even go into what the subject matter is you can guess but uh that's the one that's you know really having difficulty and we're still like about the EPA Christy Todd Whitman telling everyone that ground zero you could breathe right that, yeah that, yeah that, yeah that's what I that mean, book's about right yeah yeah exactly and it, it's it's but you know, you get things like the libraries are sending things back, like telling you they're not ordering it. And they never did that with any of my other books. Yeah. They, they tip it once in a while. They might let you know they ordered it. And to be their credit, Baltimore County, hats off to you. Baltimore County has been one of the libraries been very, very good to me. They ordered four copies for their library, which is a pretty bold move. So um, shout, out to our, shout out to our good friend, Dana, because I guess she was successful in Florida where she's from uh, having her local library. Uh, oh, did she? Cool. What, yeah. what county? We'll have to check that out online. What's the county? Do you know? I don't know the county offhand, but I remember her uh, sending me a text saying that she. Had oh, done cool. That. I'll have to hit her up. You gave me her. I think you gave me her contact. Yeah, we have a little that. group chat thing going. Yeah. Cool. Very good to hear. I appreciate everybody doing that. But yeah, and I think I appreciate the sentiment uh, six because uh, so we have to do, you know, these kind of things. I mean, I, I my sub stack is the only place left. I mean, I'm amazed that this many people, you know, heard about this to come over here on YouTube because I am shadow banned on Facebook and Twitter, but I guess enough got through. But uh, typically the only way I promote things is on Substack, you know, donaldjeffries.substack.com. I protest just like my show. And that's uh, where you can find out the, um, you know, what's going on. Cause I do, I not only, I have a book coming out next month. Here it is. I, Don. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Look, you had an excellent article you just uh, posted. Yeah, yeah, well, that, does everyone see that? And that and that's actually that's that's the uh because it's it's confusing to some people. I have two sub stacks because when I tried to when I finally put up a pay option, um it it somehow created another sub stack. 
Yeah. And that's that's the other one, Donald's Disney. And that's that's one that's uh, got, that's actually from last year, the one I just posted, uh, because uh, I use it as kind of a best of thing. And people still try to contribute money there. And I, I told them, I don't know how many times. Uh, and some usually they understand and they contribute at the at the other one. But sometimes just, I don't know where it goes. But uh, the other that, ones, the other ones are good, like archive thing where you you've written about other events. Yeah, this uh, this is yeah, yeah this is a good archive of people that might have missed it. But my uh, other uh, one, if you the one I had recently is uh, that I just wrote was uh, uh, imploding uh, imploding nine yeah, eleven imploding the truth. That's uh, that's on the oh yeah that's right yeah and that's the you know, Lou Rockwell publishes a lot of these too, so it gets a lot of more uh, attention. But yeah, I mean people can uh, can find that out there. But I mean I. You know, I have help from people like Chris and Peter Seekeis that really help out um, with the research because it's not that easy to research anymore and uh, because the, the search engines block you. But there's so much stuff there, and uh, they're trying to sweep a lot of this down the memory hole, and they succeeded to a large degree. But uh, these anomalies are uh, everywhere. So we still have – what was the uh, guy that went I, – I talked about this in the Hidden History where uh, – one of the alleged passenger names on one. Remember, you you saw basically. Uh, or was it like want more, must more want war? More yeah, war. <laughs> want, want more war? Something was it was like that's what you saw his long name. That's what leaped out at you. More war. It's like okay, I guess that's possible. I guess, but I mean, <laughs> well, you you touched upon this in the first hidden history, so it's not giving anything away, but. Can you tell everyone about the two female passenger, their best friends? Yes. Story. Yeah, that's one I, I use a lot because and I like these things because they're uh, they're anecdotal and they're uh, the kind of fluffy stuff that they have on the Today Show and, you know, the Katie Kirk type shows where, you know, she kind of invented this so-called journalism. Hey, guys, hey, guys, you know, <laughs> just, you know, treating everything like it's a yeah, cheerleader. A yeah, yeah. She's still a cheerleader, which she was like most of them were. And, yeah. uh, you know, they, they treat everything like they're, uh, you know, trying out a recipe. You know, that's that's the level of journalism they go to. They're not capable of anything deeper than that. So, um but uh, these they they breathlessly reported these shows that uh, they're a human interest story. There were two women that always flew together for years. They were best friends since college or something, and they, whenever they went to, they always you know flew together. However, on nine eleven, they were unable to because they weren't able to get seats together. Now, at the same time, the same breath, the next breath, literally, they would tell you how all of the airliners in nine eleven were like one third capacity. That's right. So. Again, there, there's nobody there to add, to say, wait a minute, that, that, those contradict each other. That story makes no sense. Yeah. So obviously, what what is what is the skeptic going to do? What is the conspiracy theorist going to do? They're going to think it's made up, right? Because it makes no sense. I mean, if if the women if the women existed, and again, my my heart goes out to anybody who really existed. And they were victims of this. If they really existed, they would have been able to get seats together. Right. Period. Unless you're lying about the planes being one third capacity. But so, I mean, it makes no sense. And they need to try to explain that. But you're you're a conspiracy theorist. If you point that out, just like if you say something like, why did over 350 people cancel at the last minute? Yeah. Did, did they have some advantage? Well, is that normal? I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe is that again, show me again. If I'm a real investigative journalist. If I'm working, if I am a, like the editor of a, a large paper and I'm actually doing journalism, I'm going to send my best reporter on that. 
hey, Chris, go out there, man, to track it down and see, uh, you know, what's what's the average cancellation rate for a flight? Right. And find out. And that that's what journalism 101. Yeah. Was there a tremendous anomaly here? That's what I, you find out. I yeah. still like to know why uh, officially Flight 11 took out, took off from both gates 32 and 26 at Logan Airport. Yeah, yeah, we had those. And then you have the, the Flight 93 thing where you had the detailed report from the mayor that it landed in Cleveland. Yeah. So again, if I'm the editor. a report that there were no family members at, in San Francisco yes. waiting, waiting for the plane. Nobody, so nobody's picking these people up. I mean, again, is that that's the kind of stuff. If you had a real television network, let's say Fox News was real. Tucker Carlson was real. And they had a bunch of people like him that seemed like they were reporting stuff. Imagine what a field that you'd have watching this stuff because they have the resources to go out and do this, right? And find out, okay, what's going on? You know, why? why you know, why was it? You know, go talk to the people at the airport. Is it true there were no, no no family members here waiting for the flight? In your experience, how common is that? Oh, I've never seen it before in fifteen years. You know, that's what you would get, and uh, <laughs> and so it it would make an impression on the viewer, but they're not, again, they're not, instead you get a reporter standing for the authorities say, authorities say officials report. And that's all it is. Yeah. And that's from, that's from a condition of anonymity. And that's on everything. Yeah. If it's a local fire, authorities say, official report, firefighters say they, they can't do any analysis on their own. They're absolute state puppets. These are, these are, they should never talk about Toss and Pravda except in reverential terms because they're doing the exact same thing they did. And they should, well, they should, you know. And Don, uh, people yeah. like Katie Couric used to be the flight attendants, remember? Like, yeah. can we lament <laughs> for a second about how this ruined air travel for forever? Oh, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, we talk about how they used to look, sure. Unless you like of... being felt up at the airport by random strangers. And yeah, exactly. For, for sickos yeah. like that. I mean, that's, well, that's, my that's friend Vince big. Agnelli uh, remembers, we, we remember Katie Couric when she was Catherine Couric. She was a local reporter here at uh, WRC-TV, and she was, uh, she was Catherine Couric. And she, was, she never even got to the anchor level. You know, she was just a local reporter, very cute, obviously just a doll baby. And she used to even... They used to have this, uh, these Howard Stern, many people copied Howard Stern's shock jock nonsense, but they had Don and Mike that were big in this area. They later were uh, syndicated, but uh, they used to call her up when she was Catherine Keurig and they would call her up and ask her what, under, what color underwear she was wearing. And she would, cause she was so cute and she would play along with them. She was a good sport. Then suddenly, seemingly overnight, she's on the Today Show as Kathy, Katie Keurig. And she's just, you know, grinning her teeth at bearing grit in her teeth and just, you know, the things she became famous for. And hey, guys, hey, guys, just, just lowering the, I mean, you could see like, not that the Today Show was anything good with Jane Pauley or Deborah Norville, but when Katie Couric got there, I mean, the, the average IQ of the average show, I mean, just, <laughs> it just plummeted to almost zero. And uh, she, needless to say, they tried to cut, Don and Mike tried to contact her. I thought, you know, she would never return their calls again. But uh, but that's the kind of those are the kind of people you get ex cheerleaders and there and I you know I talked about that in bullyocracy yeah there they, I mean there there's actually a website that talks about all of the cheerleaders that became uh, news reporters and news anchors it's a, it's a it's a transition and it makes sense because they they go from cheerleading a team to cheerleading the state so they're I blame Debbie does Dallas. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, Debbie does Alice. They've never been able to track down that girl. She, she, uh, start, I forget her name, but she started in it and, uh, uh, re regretted it. I don't, I don't know what she thought she was doing, but she felt awful about it and wanted to get out of the war. And she did get I out. Found, and, I found her. She's a born again, Christian. Oh, you found her. Chris, Chris Grace found her. There you go. <laughs> they tried, someone put that documentary together too trying to find uh, i think it was yeah bambi woods or whatever her name was yeah now yeah. i got the song get born again stuck in my head chris yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned pravda earlier uh don yeah i found this a while ago uh, i wanted to get both you and six's take on it if i could find this here um it has to do with putin Supposedly has satellite footage from 9-11 that he was threatening to use. Um, and it came from, I don't know if you put up much stock into this website, but, and I'm not finding it now. Oh, here it is. Putin, okay. Can everyone see that? Yeah. Okay. I'll scroll down. Says here, Pravda, Putin threatens to release satellite evidence of 9-11. And this was uh, by Gordon Duff. And this was February 10th, 2015. Um, sourced from Russian government funded media. They always have that disclosure. Mm -hmm. um, do you think he really does have footage of some, of <laughs> some sort of... Uh, Don would probably know better, but since well, he would, can I go first? Sure, go ahead. <laughs> Because just to throw like a, just a couple things out there, um, growing up still somewhat in the uh, the Cold War, <laughs> I guess if you want to call it that, right? Yeah. The one that never really ended. I, uh, but you know, if you have uh, if you have two opposing sides that are constantly spying on one another, infiltrating one another, uh, gathering all sorts of different intelligence, and uh, they love this little term superiority. Don't yeah. they? Like whenever it comes to like, oh, we have superiority. So we have satellite superiority. We have intelligence superiority. We have identity superiority. That's that's come up lately. Hmm. Um, but yeah. with with the type of intelligence that you would think that someone like uh, uh, Russia or USSR at the time would have had or anything um, going back, I, I, I can see them having stuff that they'd want to hold against us. Yeah. If I'm talking about them as like an entity or something like that, that still acts like a country, if we still believe in those. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, what can we the, the real Orwellian wall that we exist in right now? Let's realize that we sitting here with all of our resources and all of the people listening right now, potentially um, we can't contact the other side to ask them what's true. Right. <laughs> like, like what, what means do we have to verify these things? Like if, if there's a claim that Russia has something, how do we verify that Russia really has something? Mm -hmm. Cause we're not, we're not very good at verifying if they have any hand in our elections or not. Right. Like who, who, who stood trial for, you know, 2016 yet? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm checking my watch here. Well, full I'm disclosure guys, I, the, I don't bring this up to be like, Oh yeah, they're full. Of, you know, I think me personally, just looking at, you know, history or hidden history mm -hmm. um, that Russia, the people that are pulling the strings in Russia are the same folks that are pulling the strings everywhere else, including the United States. So the reason why I was that stuck out to me is why would they have blackmail 
for another side if they're all working together. And that's my big grand conspiracy hat uh, put on right there. I think mm-hmm. I think after World War II, it was apparent that whoever really runs the sh- the world stage, um, you know, they wanted to have. You know, there was a famous thing where. Uh, Fletcher Prouty had mentioned he was doing security for uh, a summit in 1945 or 46, rather, and it had all the world power superpower leaders right there for China, uh, uh, Russia, America, and, and Britain. And he overheard this conversation going on saying that every 20 years there will be a new a new third world war. Uh, third, it, there'll be a new war that's fought in a third world country with no apparent victors mm-hmm. and that they would never, you know, because I guess the powers that really be got scared with the nuclear component uh, was introduced in World War II. Apparently that was what Fletcher Prouty had said. The reason I, I, I that article I just shared on the screen is because do you think that China and other superpowers, I mean, might have like satellite footage uh, that would be very inconvenient and is the whole do you think maybe the whole reason that they haven't released anything is because maybe I'm correct and maybe everyone is working together behind the scenes of on the world oh. stage? Yeah, I think well, that's I uh, go ahead, six. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, I was gonna, just gonna say, what is the world stage? It depends on how you view that. I think if the world stage is, is that we live under a global corporatist oligarchy and the countries don't really exist anymore. And that we we live in an era where you know you can you can pit us against the Chinas and the Indias and whomever of the world that you want to and and the Russias, but are they just are they just characters in a wrestling stable? <laughs> are they, yeah. are they just economic engines? You know, for the banks yeah. to just send us into different directions yeah. to try new tech and to create new items and to do this with this type of technology that we have from God knows where. <laughs> yeah, they, well, these these you know these these wars are have always been phony, obviously. But then, and in the book coming up, the American Memory Hole, and a large extent because of Peter Sikash's great research, uh, you know, and, and he's mainly got a lot of it from books I've had and read a long time ago. But I mean, if you read uh, Professor Anthony Sutton's fantastic trio of books that he wrote, trilogy of books, uh, Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution, Wall Street and the Rise of Hitler, and Wall Street and FDR. Uh, he shows, at least back then, that Bolshevism, communism, which would uh, <clears throat> become our ally, first of all, inexplicably, in, in World War II when they were some, some of the good guys there. We chose them and, and somehow thought they were better than, than Hitler or something, who also had been financed by the same powers. And uh, so it, it's astonishing. Prescott Bush. Yeah, yeah. Just it's, But it's astonishing. Yeah, when, the, when, when the Bolshevik Revolution was fought. If you look at the industrialists, the big capitalists of the day that were over there covering it, cheering it on, yeah. I mean, they, they were doing everything but fighting with the Bolsheviks. I mean, it was such an absurd idea that this was a you know organic Russian revolution. Uh, th- these were these were again, Wall Street conducted the entire thing. They ran the entire thing. And uh, you know the same thing with Hitler. Hitler was, you know, Hitler was. They didn't. It's. It'd be nice if it could happen that way in the world that an obscure painter really could just start jumping on the tables at beer halls and waving his arms and you know get an entire country to follow him. But it doesn't work like that. 
It just doesn't. So he had he had great powers behind him as well. And, and he, you know, you know what happened later. But I mean, so when the and as soon as World War II was over, suddenly the phony Cold War started. The people that had been our uh, our, our enemies, as Bob Dylan sang, you know, now the Russians no longer have God on their side. And, you know, suddenly, as soon as it was over, then suddenly there were the bad guys and then the constructor of this phony. But you notice we never, it's a trivia question for you. The, the only, the only uh, uh, nation that uh, went directly against the Soviet Union, the Soviet troops ever, was, was Hitler's Germany, Nazi Germany. We never fought them anywhere. You know, we, we did indirectly, you know, in all these proxy wars in Korea and Vietnam, all these not, you talk about what Fletcher Prouty talks about, wars that aren't supposed to be won. That are just meaningless. Ukraine. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. Because you can, you certainly have that now. But and then you have um, you know, talking about Fletcher Prouty and uh, you know, one of my heroes, and uh he is uh, being attacked relentlessly now. They're trying to uh, undermine him in the JFK assassination research community. They have a bunch of the what I call these neocons, and they're really out there misrepresenting him and stuff. And uh in reality, he was and they're calling him anti-Semitic and everything because he was affiliated with Liberty Lobby. Uh, and the spotlight, you know, which became uh, which became the American Free Press, for which I write still. Yep. And uh, they're, uh, you know, he, he so was Mark Lane, so was Dick Gregory, the black comedian, but um, radical comedian. But they're still trying to, uh, you know, smear him. So it's a shame because he he was a great man. And you read the Secret Team is still a yes. fantastic reading. And how do you pronounce this gentleman's last name? I always hear him. I hear. He mentioned in your chats, you know, John Bas Basiglone or oh Basiglone, I guess, uh, yeah, but Bas—that's how I pronounce it. I don't know, John. Okay. Well, I have like an answer. Basiglone, yeah. I have an answer for him. The fireman he's referring to that made it up to uh, up to the point of mm -hmm. impact in the South Tower was Arroyo Arroyo Palmer, and he radioed back that he just needed two uh, two lines to knock down two pockets of fire and then two minutes later uh the building came crashing down on him that's who that was and earlier i think he also maybe it's a different person i think it was john and mentioned something about how jewish people were uh warned uh yeah a lot of that. well there's a little bit of truth to that i mean some people like to blow it up and say that no jews got killed on 9-11 right that's not the case, but no. what I think he, if it's even John, it may have been someone else earlier. There was an instant messenger uh, service called uh, Odigo that did put out a warning. Uh, I'm trying to remember the exact message, what it was, but it's basically uh, leave the building. Uh, I, I, maybe I'm paraphrasing, but Odigo was uh, based in Israel and there was evidence that someone put out to all the Odigo messenger recipients that they're, you know, to get out of the trade center, I believe. Well, you, well, you have, you have, you have a lot of rumors about who was warned, who was not supposed to be in the trade. And you, you had the same thing in Oklahoma city. Yes. You had all the BATFAs or how many people were warned. Judges. Judges yeah. too. Yeah. So, you know, so it was Willie Brown. You had other people like that, Mayor Willie Brown, that bragged about, you know, uh, and, uh, well, you Nobody know where John. Willie Brown ended up? In Kamala no, Harris's mouth. He made her what she is today. Yeah, yeah. She uh, helped make her, yeah. And, uh, that, was your, thing, that was your finest moment, Six. Okay. That's the thing. Uh, that's I a Tom Cooper for just the, the, the 
the inspiration there for that dirty joke. <laughs> yeah, well, it's and, but again, it, it, it's and, and it's it's that's what happens when you get kind of uh, yeah street characters like Willie Brown uh, who are not refined and uh, doesn't know better, and so he actually openly talks about how yeah yeah you know she slept with me on her way to the top. You know you're not going to get a regular politician doing that. So right. Uh, Thank goodness for the Willie Brown, so we can learn the truth about these. He's also, he told us he wasn't, he was more not to fly. Okay, good. I don't, I don't think much of your political career, Willie, but uh, he yeah. did in, in, inadvertently uh, throw some gems of truth out there. <laughs> Every now and then, yeah. I wanted to also mention uh, from before, when you had these puff piece stories, like the two women, lifelong friends, the women that yeah. couldn't get the, get the yeah. tickets together or the seats together on almost empty flights. Um, there was another puff piece, which is really weird. And it kind of hit me the same way as that. I guess that story hit you, Don. And it was of a, a young boy that was going on a, a field trip. Um, was on flight 77. Yeah. Apparently his, uh, his very, very lucky father, not lucky in that his son passed away, but his father, worked in the area where flight 77 was said to hit the Pentagon. Right. And that was because he took the day off to go golfing. But the night prior, he had apparently allegedly had mentioned to his son to not be afraid to fly because we all end up passing away at some point, son. Very, yeah, that's, very, what you want. that's what you want to tell your little kid. And then you're not there in the area <laughs> where the same exact plane that your son's on. Crashed yeah. Into, yeah. You, you're still alive to tell the tale. And it just reminded me of, of that, basically. Kind of this over the top. Heartwarming story. story. Yeah. yeah heartwarming <laughs> story. The father survived and he tried to comfort his son by saying, we all die eventually, son. I, I never saw an interview with him. Was he dry-eyed too? Was he smiling when he talked? You know, like yeah, he had a Ben Stein there with a clear yeah, eyes yeah. or whatever. The clear. I eyes. told him, you know, we all die. Don't be scared to fly. You know, well, yeah. Well, what do you guys think of this too? Uh, you're you're both familiar, uh, I know, with loose change, right? That yes. Was that opened up a lot of people's eyes back in the day. I remember um, the first conversation I had about that movie when somebody told me about it. Well, tell us about it. So, um. Being part of like the metal and hardcore scene, I'd go out and bump into different people, being all different types of things, and being on sort of like the outskirts of society and, and those types of subcultures, you'll find people that question a lot of this stuff. So that's why a lot of the people that I get down with in the TMP crew are metalheads. Yeah. Um, and and what a part of that though was is just having that conversation eventually with them about what happened on 9-11. And I had like a sit down conversation with some friends and they were like, listen, uh, what do you believe here? And I'm like, well, at the time I'd watched, uh, I think it was history channel that came out with a special about like what happened, nine 11, like explaining some of the things. Sort of yeah. like their, their fact check of the time. Right. <laughs> and I brought up their popular I, mechanics, if you will. Yes, yes, yes. And that's what I brought up. I brought up some of that stuff. I'm just like, okay, well that, cause I'm, I'm just trying to refute what they're telling me. And that's just maybe a habit, you know? And uh, they, they went on to say, all right, well, have you seen this movie called loose change? And that's when I knew I had to go check it out. But they, they brought up like the, the steel reference and everything like that, which I had heard. And I, and personally, I don't know at what point or what 
what they're actually forensically referencing whenever it comes to the steel as much. Like, are they talking about to make the steel bend enough or to be weak enough to collapse? Or are they talking about it actually melting? There's always uh, the pancake theory. <laughs> so, I mean, but yeah, and that's what I was bringing up because, I mean, trust me, I didn't get that far in math class, okay? Uh, that wasn't mm -hmm. my, like, the furthest I went in that, like, direction was the game Kerplunk. Do you remember that one, Chris, oh, where yeah. you drop the marbles on the, th okay, like, that. That's that's about as far as I go in physics. So, um, you know, I wanted to have that conversation with them, though, because, like, I'm more concerned over, like, the social aspects of this. Like, what I was seeing in music, what I was seeing in culture, and what I was seeing happen to my friends that were signing up, like, people like our friends, like Tony Arterburn, who signed up and went and served these wars. Like, I, I have met and encountered and worked with and, and had many conversations with people who had their lives ruined because of this event, like, in one way or another, however, however anyone wants to view it. And that's why I thought that was so passionate about, you know, Tony's speech on Saturday too, when he brought that up, yes. you know, and, and when you look at like sort of the effects that that's what, that's what brought me into wanting to watch the documentaries, wanting to watch more of like the alternative media or listen to the alternative media back then. Um, and honestly, that's kind of what got me into listening to Alex Jones in a weird way, mm -hmm. because I work with a bunch of guys that listen to Alex Jones mm -hmm. and I, had to listen in i didn't have a choice really so um uh, but then uh we i saw somebody in the chat um uh here and uh, kind of spoiling it because it didn't come up yet but um talking about bill cooper and like mm -hmm. uh, chris like you're much more of a um you know a fan of bill cooper than probably anyone that i know um what would you say about bill cooper's prediction of the events of 9-11 like and how accurate it may have been well he was just looking at the trends at the time and what was in the news and the fact they kept peddling uh osama bin laden at the time and he he actually went by the name osama bin laden and that that kind of changed like Gaddafi's, you know the spelling of Gaddafi, like don points out nowadays and i think it's skeletor with a k <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah, Bill Cooper was pretty much right on the money, saying, "Don't you believe it? You know they're gonna they're gonna do something in the fall, and they're gonna blame it on this guy. And don't you believe it?" And then Alex Jones had a similar video about a month later, and I can't prove that Alex took it from Bill, but it was pretty much the same thing, and it's on YouTube as well. And Alex, you know, is trying to get everyone to to call the White House or whatever the White House's hotline and. And tell them uh, we know what you're up to. We know what you're up to. You know. <laughs> so, but Bill Cooper was on record about a month prior to that because he goes, "Well, how is CNN getting access, getting granted an interview with this guy that our trillion-dollar defense and intelligence apparatus can't find, supposedly, and yet you find out later on that a CIA station chief." met with Usama or Tim Osman in July of 2001 at a uh, getting dialysis at an American hospital in Dubai, I believe. But anyway, that's a long, th the long and short of it. Uh, Bill Cooper got basically got murdered and there was evidence actually that he was probably supposed to go out on September 11, 2001 uh, in terms of his arrest. And there were actually a whole rash of, uh, mysterious deaths of anyone named bill or william cooper in the state of arizona that day doyle shamley 
his best friend who looked into Bill's death uh, made me aware of that on an interview with Jack Blood from like 2011. Anyway, so that was a very, very long answer to a simple question. But yeah, Bill Cooper, he was on the money when he just looking at what was being pushed in the news at the time, you know? So. Well, and I bring that up because I'm learning, I'm still learning about this stuff all the time. And I haven't really shut off. Like when you, when people watch documentaries, like a loose change and they think that they finally know the real truth about whatever. Yeah. You know, you, you read, you read a couple books, you watched a couple documentaries and now you got it. Like you mm -hmm. just know, you understand you're awake now. And like, I, I understand that feeling. That's like the people that are just like, man, I heard this really hard rock song the other day and it was, it was Def Leppard. And now I'm really <laughs> into hard, heavy metal. That's and then you go, listen, son. <laughs> you never heard a swear. There's yeah. a lot more out there. So I would honestly, I would love to go back and do like a, maybe like a loose change watch along and like yeah. give takes about how I would feel about watching something like that in my position now. Because well, yeah. I see a lot of that stuff come out these days where you, you see something and there's a lot that they allude to. There's a lot that can be claimed. There's tricky ways of using music and zooming in and making this claim and then zooming over to another thing real quick and overloading people with 70 different little factoids and things that could possibly be true. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, I, I just I, I want to go back to it because I, I think it, it deserves to be. Uh, it's yeah. it's that impactful. Where we're still talking about it today. It, it deserves yeah, a good no, it. And uh, Dylan, Dylan Avery was, uh, you know, was the, the, the one who's most noted. And Chris, I think, interviewed his partner. But. I had Dylan Avery on my show a few years ago and uh, I can't get a hold of him anymore. I'm, and I'm friends with his mother on Facebook and I've asked her about it many times. And uh, she said, Oh, I'll mention it to him. So I don't, but to be honest with you, Dylan, and I was talking about him to Richard Gage over the weekend and Richard Gage is a really engaging guy. And, and Dylan's kind of an introvert. Yeah. So he's not the greatest guest on a show because he doesn't, um, I guess he doesn't like doing it or something. He said, but I really wanted to, you know, try to advertise his films more. So uh, he wants to be a, a mainstream, like a, he wants to make like films, like uh, actual, like kind of like me, like, yeah, he doesn't want to be the conspiracy guy. He wants to make, you know, be sure. a, a filmmaker, like a director making fictional based. Sure. Well, movies. good, good luck doing that in today's Hollywood. No, right? I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm not speaking sure. for him, but I, I got that gist when I was talking to Corey Rowe, like you mentioned. Yeah. And Tell them what you got to do. First of all, you got to get, get the worst lighting possible. So any kind of scenes you have, so the audience struggles to see scenes in the dark and everything. And then you got to the sound. The sound. <laughs> I mean, you got to you got to have everybody whisper, and you got to have you got to record the dialogue at like you know a thousand decibels lower than the sound effects, so that people. I mean, it's just it's so people struggle to hear what you're saying. That's Hollywood. So uh, and then you need to have a whole bunch of YouTube people be able to dissect what the hell the movie was all about. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, exactly. Because you will have an ending, and nobody knows what happened. And don't forget the male nudity. Never yes. forget the male nudity. Yeah, lots and lots of that, but no female nudity. That would yeah, be no, no. that would be hateful. I wanted to take a quick uh, moment just to shout out everybody sure. in the Rumble chat too uh, on TMP Grace because uh, yeah we got a lot of people over there too and uh, yeah, we got our friend cool. Harps we got cool. Rhonda um, we oh, got uh, our buddy Zeister there oh, all happy to see you folks here so yeah it's it's really cool that we were able to do this today um, on the anniversary and uh, have people from 
all over and different platforms like coming together and being able to have a conversation about all this. Like this is awesome idea, Chris. Thanks for coming. Yeah, it is great. And I I like Varun Saw who is talking about the passengers in that flight 93 and being informed, not being informed of the other attacks because Lisa Jeston said she wanted to give them hope. But uh, now Lisa Jefferson is a character and we, I talked about this before. Yeah. Yeah. And Todd, Todd Beamer, we're told that his last conversation, you know, I guess it's turned into let's roll was um, he didn't when, want to bother his wife. Yeah. He, no, he, he, he said, Lisa Jefferson said, well, let me put you through your wife. No, no, I'll talk to you. So he chose to spend his last moments on earth talking to a stranger. Yeah. Sorry. I don't find that believable at all. I mean, and that's what I'm saying. You just, you judge these things as human beings. I have a wife. Would, would, would I want to talk to an, an operator that I'd never met before instead of her? I mean, that makes no sense. And of course, she would say, Lisa Beamer would say that she understood or something. So I was like, okay. And she was all over the media for a while too. She was. She, <laughs> she was kind of like a, I don't want to say who, what it is, but yeah, it was kind of like an other events years later where you would go, that is very odd. Very Twilight Zone-ish. Like the mm-hmm. way they're acting. You know? mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. the reason I bring up uh, Loose Change, there is a point to this, don't, don't worry, mm-hmm. is that Every couple of years after the first edition of Loose Change came out on Google Video before YouTube was a thing or would eventually be bought out, I guess Google Video was bought by YouTube. Yes. But anyway, they would make a new updated version with updated facts or whatever and they would change things around. There was at one point a plan for Mark Cuban, you know, of the, yeah. the show Shark Tank. Uh, he's, you know, he owns a basketball team. Right, yeah. the, Dallas the, Mavericks, yeah. The Mavericks. And Charlie Sheen as a narrator for the ultimate cut of Loose Change. And this was in Variety and the Hollywood Reporter at the time. And I found out that years later, there was a concerted effort to go after Mark Cuban for offering to mm-hmm. finance that version of Loose Change. And that's what this article here uh, represents because uh, AM Wake Up uh, had Corey Rowe on today uh, earlier and they brought they brought up, not I guess Steve from AM Wake Up wanted to bring up the Loose Change with uh, Charlie Sheen being involved and all that. Uh, but there was a part of it, the reason why it never came to fruition, because I had asked Corey about that, and he brought it up on my uh, digging episode, um, about this meeting that he had with Charlie Sheen to actually narrate a new version of Loose Change and put it into movie theaters, actual real movie theaters. But there was an effort here, and I think I sent this to you, Don, a long time ago. Can you guys see the, the, this on the screen? Yeah. Coming in clear. The yep. SEC went after uh, Mark Cuban and scared the hell out of him. That's why that version of Loose Change never came to fruition. And there was this whole smear campaign, I remember, by people like Bill O'Reilly in the no spin zone, where he was trying to chastise Mark Cuban, like uh, mm-hmm. for even having the audacity, like the even the idea of being a part of something so horrible. And this is out there, guys. I'm not going to, you know, I can barely read as it is. Um, Chris, before I forget, um, yeah, yeah. could I help you uh, get this uploaded to your Substack? And maybe Don and I can recommend it. 
tier oh, yeah. were on Substack because I think that'd be cool to have all these links that you're showing. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. People go back and look at. Oh it. yeah, yeah. I just a matter of uh, just a matter of time and me putting it all together. Yeah. I got you, brother. Yeah, that's cool. Oh uh, yeah, but yeah, thank you for remind, reminding me uh, that all this probably should be in one place. But yeah, no. So that, what do you guys think of that? Like uh, scaring off someone like Mark Cuban. Mm-hmm. I have my own thoughts on the Charlie Sheen of it all. I think he was gotten to at a certain point. I mean, they they kept yeah. driving his cars down the Hollywood Hills and you know, and just crashing them. And then all of a oh. sudden, we had a we had a winning dog. We had yeah, yes, yeah, whatever that. But a tiger blood and all that stuff. Yeah, he's hanging out with stones all the time. And he, I mean, he's, and I, I I just wrote about this in in my Substack article, but it's not like you can feel sorry for him. I think he was the highest paid television actor in history. So, and he's rolling in the residuals, unlike all the poor actors from the 60s that, you know, I wrote about in On Barred Fame. That's right. We didn't get anything. Gets Uh, AIDS and everybody just shrugs their shoulders. It's like, of course, a guy like him would get AIDS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's messing with you. Look at all the things he's doing, you know. And, um, but you look at him, what happened to him, his career. I mean, I guess he doesn't need a career now. He's got more money than anybody would need, but he, uh, certainly was been discredited in the public eye because of that. And then you have somebody like Rosie O'Donnell, who's, she's on board with the program in all respects, except for she inexplicably was a nine 11 truther, as they call him. She was, she was very vocal. About and, I, I, and it shocked me. I said, God, Rosie O'Donnell, really? I mean, I, I knew she was <laughs> I mean, because like, she was were, one of the people that were going after the NRA after Columbine, like, oh, we gotta collect all the guns. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, I would have well, never but she program <laughs> and, and she was uh she was on the view for a while and she actually tried. I mean, I would have been a great to watch her try to present 9-11 truth. I and was waiting, gone that oh, day. Oh, that I mean, I would have, imagine Barbara Walters and Whoopi Go, all these people, they're, they're, I, I would have been, because obviously, what are they going to debate? And, uh, you know, the screaming. The creepiest, creepiest moment of television history for yeah, me. That was it. And, and what, what they just, they just didn't allow her on. They have Dylan Avery and the Least Change guys. Yes, yeah, yeah. But also uh, actual firefighters that survived 9-11 and experienced these explosions. Mm-hmm. They were supposed to be on an episode of The View shortly mm-hmm. before Rosie and The View parted ways. Yeah. And the creepiest thing to happen as a television viewer for me, and my sister was watching at the same time because she was kind of like not excited, but we were all anticipating, is this going to cha- make some kind of change because we had the war on terror going on and you know loose change had been out for a little while this is two may of 2007 you can't find this anymore not even on the white house's website but george w bush had an unscheduled rose garden press conference (laughs) that preempted that episode of 9-11 truth on the view and we never heard anything else about it. And all Bush did was say nonsense. He didn't he didn't even take questions from the reporters. He just talked about how Iraq was uh you know was steady and so yeah. we need to stay the course, blah blah, all these buzzwords. And it took up the whole hour of the view. And I was yeah. like, This is bullshit. Chris. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be a good conversation with you, my friend, without bringing up George Carlin, right? <laughs> but, yeah. you know, if if there is a club, gentlemen, how does one get into it? You know, like if you, <laughs> if you do have that type of reach and influence where people yeah. are starting to look at you because you're asking questions on the public mm-hmm. stage. Yeah. You don't think you get a debriefing here and there, you know, via the network? 
right? Well, Alex, <laughs> Alex James, Alex Jones, to the degree that he can be believed, uh, claims that he's been approached many times by these people and offered, uh, you know, big shows on CNN and Fox and stuff like that. But yeah, who knows? I don't know. He, do you think he, Ellen and other people take that bait? You think I they do. go and they dance I, George I know. Bush, you know, for I a do. reason? <laughs> I do, because yeah. look at Ellen. I'll give you an example of Ellen and sh shenanigans with CIA ties right there. You look at the supposed hero of the Vegas shooting, a yeah, security yeah. guard named uh, Jesus Campos yeah, yeah. that we found out wasn't even a security, a real security guard there. Mm -hmm. He would give only one interview about his heroic tale of taking down Paddock, um, which he didn't. <laughs> and he mm -hmm. had a handler of some sort on the stage with him. Mm -hmm. And Ellen gave the most unnatural, like weirdest presentation PowerPoint thing with a point like a, she literally was talking him through his own heroic like uh, tale. And that footage is still on YouTube. You can find that. So Ellen's been needy. And let's keep in mind, Don, who was Ellen married to in the late 90s? Anne Hesh. Anne Heche, the, yeah. the lady who I think was actually still alive. Yes. In a body bag. I've already, already forgot. Was that last year, wasn't it? It was last year. Yeah. yeah that's already been swept under the. Yeah. I mean, that's that why these things come. They come so fast. And they're constant that you uh, you forget them. They get lost in the shuffle. That's why when, when you, knew, you know, when I put together hidden history books, people are amazed sometimes. Oh, I'd forgotten that. I forgot a lot of it, too. I mean, Anne Hesh, that's a. Somebody she was she claimed she was an MK Ultra Kathy O'Brien kind of uh mm -hmm. MK Ultra victim. And hey, sure. And that's she, why she would always have these meltdowns. Yeah, she was an odd, but you're right. There's uh, again, there's say what you want about a theory, but that boy, the, that footage looked pretty weird. But I'm just saying but, that you know. that goes to Ellen right there. I mean, that, that was, you know, I'm not saying that she has something to do with Anne Hayes' uh, death or anything like that. Yeah. I'm just saying that's the company she kept, like, in the late 90s. That was right. her significant other. And there's been uh, there's been documentation that Ellen has been some kind of an asset. Like most prominent figures in the media, like we got COINTELPRO and stuff. So. Well, and 9-11 Oprah connections and stuff. And talking about oprah and lahaina oprah, oprah mentioned mentioned people in the clubs, uh, you know <laughs> oprah did mention one thing that don don's next book will have something to do with that spoiling everything yes she did she did mention that yes yes and that's all I'll say on that but yeah oprah i mean she said i mean look at the recent connections and stuff she referenced the suicide there and that yes, we, we, that's we, what we're talking about yes yes and so and that was uh but again, in her typical, uh, in her typical Oprah, but to, to Six's point, you know, I, I've always thought, you know, Richard Belzer, uh, you know, great guy, just died, you know, not that long ago. And uh, one of the last things he did was uh, write a blurb for my Beatles book. So it's pretty cool. But he, uh, he uh, had that great line about, you know, 90% of the American people believe that JFK was killed by conspiracy and the other 10% work in the government and the media. That's and that's pretty true. About everything. And so if you, I think that uh, what they, I mean, just by, if you know, especially on the JFK assassination, the, the all public opinion polls have showed the overall majority of people have doubted the official story since the beginning. Yeah. But you look at Hollywood, you look at Howard Stern's a perfect example of that uh, these, uh, you know, James Franco, uh, Tom Hanks, the ones that ever talk about it, they, they, and how, how do, why do they always, the people that make it in the entertainment world, which I mean, there shouldn't be like a questionnaire, 
do you believe this? But apparently they're, 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 they get the talk, you know, they're told, Hey, you look, you, uh, you know, you, uh, these are the subjects that you got to, if this is mentioned, Oswald did it. Okay. 9-11's mentioned, 19 crazed Arabs did it. You know, you basically just say terrorism. And uh, that's, I think there has to be something, because again, the law of averages doesn't work that way. Law of averages would be that the majority of entertainers would be like the public and would have, a, you know, would have doubts about it. But e even when Hollywood is approaching, I watched this movie, Winter Kills, which I had not yes. really watched closely before, but I, and I forgot about it. But I mean, it's, it's disgusting because it, it's, it's proposes to say that the a, a fictional Kennedy and obvious JFK was killed by... But they basically wasn't, wasn't Winter Kills uh, a fictional version of the Bobby Bobby uh, Kennedy? No, it, it was JFK, oh, but it was basically, okay. and they used the Teddy or whatever. But it basically, they had John Houston playing an obvious Joe Kennedy, and you know how I feel about Joe Kennedy. I'm his biggest defender. They yeah. hated that guy, man. They hated old Joe Kennedy. But I mean, they made a movie, and they basically they I'll put spoilers for it because it's a crappy movie because of that. Uh, <laughs> They have his father. They have Joe Kennedy as the the, the mastermind behind his son's assassination. That's, that's what, how much they hate him. That's the ending to that. That's movie? the ending. Yes, and wow. uh, so I mean, so that's you know, I'm sorry to give it away, but it's it's spoiler you know, alert. Well, yeah. it was, it was 1979, folks. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, not, time. yeah. It, it, it's 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 you know, the cinematography isn't great, and it's but it's. It could have been good. Did you actually I mean, see though? <laughs> you know what I mean? No, no, you it wasn't it hadn't got to that point yet. But, okay. Uh, All right. <laughs> but it's just, you know, it's it's just uh, so that's that can't happen. That's why Oliver Stone, why so many people, you know, I was amazed when he made that movie. And yes, I'm aware of Arnold Milshon, the you know, supposed Mossad guy or whatever that produced it. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know but the movie's pretty damn good, especially when you consider in the context of Hollywood how Hollywood treats these subjects. You're, and, you know, if you like a someone, just imagine what would be like today, where I mean, let's say Oliver Stone made that movie in '91, so it had been um, 28 years. So it had been 28 years since the JFK assassination. So we're almost getting to that point with 9/11. If Oliver Stone or some Philip Dylan Avery, somebody in a Hollywood mainstream Hollywood figure. I was hoping they, that's where Oliver was going with his World Trade Center movie. Yes, right? me too, me too. But so, uh, some people just, like to say that, oh, that you can hear the explosions in certain parts of the movie, but I can't tell. Yeah, 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 exactly. But but uh, it, but just imagine what the what the ramifications would be if one of these guys made a movie that that talked about all these things we're talking about, talked about some of them, and, and showed how absurd the official story was. I mean. It would get even more attention than than JFK did. I mean, we talked about Oprah. Oprah was talking about uh, she had Oliver Stone, and she was expressing doubts about it. You know, all these celebrities were jumping on board because Oliver Stone was one of them. Yeah. And uh, so, if one of them made a movie about nine eleven, you would see people talking about the same kind of stuff we're talking about. And but ultimately, what did it do? It didn't. It didn't. <laughs> the JFK thing. Uh, <laughs> the JFK Records Act. We're still arguing over that. They still haven't released all the files. And. Uh, well, the, the only reason we know about Northwoods is because of the AARB. Yes, yeah, that may be a most significant thing to come out of it. But, uh, but you know, if they had a movie about 9-11 now, I don't know what, I mean, it would be great, but would it, I don't know whether it but would. No, this, this is actually what I, you just reminded me, of, Don, uh, from earlier. Northwoods had the proposal to blow up an airliner with uh, college students or fake college students and have identities yeah. printed up and family members created out of thin air. Yeah. Chris, now we're all going to be shadow banned even more. 
Mm -hmm. Oh, did I mention? Oh, I didn't mention. The, uh... <laughs> no, no. You, the last time that you mentioned Northwoods, oh. we got shadow banned forever. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Right. Wow. <laughs> well, no. What I meant was um, they, part of those plans for that operation that JFK nixed were to create false identities for victims and things like that. So when Don and myself, when we point out things like blurry memorial video, uh, yeah. photos. Yeah. There's precedent to that, in my opinion, because mm -hmm. there were plans and there was even plans to drop fake wreckage into the ocean. And some people have made the claim that there was a C-130 that flew over the Pentagon that dropped weird, weird pieces of metal mm -hmm. onto the lawn. I've been trying to find for a long time anything to you know substantiate that, but it was mentioned that there was a flyover and a second plane that was that was yes. shadowing uh, Flight 77, apparently. There were witnesses, and kind of like that footage I found of cops talking about people running around plant, planting bombs at Ground Zero, that that footage was around the same time, and that footage has disappeared, too, where people talk about a second plane seen at the Pentagon that was shadowing or uh, right on top of or something, like, and flew over. They call it the flyover. And I'm sure I'll be attacked online for mentioning the flyover thing because, I don't know, I'm not saying it was a missile, but there were people that saw more than one aircraft at the Pentagon. But well, if what? you wanted wreckage there, like that would be an easier way to get it there, right? At, at, and, and, yeah. and also in just putting it in a pattern in which it would be sort of aligned to the forensics of a, of a crash there, if you wanted people to believe that. They're flying in that debris and dropping it and, and doing that precisely. I don't know how that would go um i don't know what well, maybe that's why we're not allowed to see affects us sort of different maybe things that, well, but, no, but yeah. i'm saying maybe that's a good enough reason why we're not allowed to see the 83 other cameras yes because of the vantage yeah. point that's brilliant that's that you brought up but because from the, the distance from the overhead right you're going to have a much better perspective of the pentagon like was there ever any overhead footage whatsoever ever displayed like after the event and things like uh, you know, Pentagon. you know what, you know what other overhead footage there would be, the doomsday, the EB fours that were in the air above Washington and New York, that utilize the satellite dishes, they would have been filming, and the AWACS planes too. Yeah, because the view from that that perspective, forensically, would show you like more or less what would happen from than on the ground. Like on the ground, you're just standing around wreckage. You know, Lord knows how it got there, even. But from from up above, might be easier to see a pattern of how something would enter there, what what may have caused the damage, and, and sort of those types of things. So, what do we got well, there? Is there anything that I, exists? Yeah, I, I think you know, nine eleven was the first. Well, Oklahoma City and and Waco to some degree, because the internet wasn't really. I guess it was just getting started at that time. But the nine eleven became this completely as far as the all the opposition to the official story. Yeah, it's, it's all centered here. It's, it's us. You know, there are no Mark Lanes or Harold Weisbergs. They're not permitted, you know, to dispute the uh, the official account. 9-11 Commission. There's never been a book written like, you know, Russia Judgment or any of the other books like that. Because and, and I don't know how effective that would be anyhow, because nobody reads anymore. So, uh, you know, but I mean, some people like Alex Jones, Bobby Kennedy Jr. And they have my same publisher, but uh, they can sell lots of books. And uh, yeah. So it'd be interesting to see if one of them, somebody like that, a name, wrote a book 
uh, and pointing out all these things we're pointing out, which they could do, maybe it would sell, right? Because they have name recognition, and they, uh, you know, their 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 publishers would actually work to sell them books. Someone <laughs> yeah. like Seymour Hirsch, Don. Yeah, Seymour yeah. Hirsch. Sorry, Seymour he, Hirsch wrote a nine eleven book. Yeah, he wrote a story, um, not uh, actually a couple of days after nine eleven where he was given information about uh, ramp workers at the airports planting firearms onto strategic points on the aircraft by ramp workers. Mm -hmm. So he has information that no one else uh, on the 9-11 commission report never reported on that. But Seymour Hirsch wrote a couple of articles about firearms being on these planes and put there mm -hmm. by ramp workers. Yeah, I mean, and that's, yeah, a big, that's a big fucking thing. To me. Yeah, those, those are that, that's a great anomaly, and that's the kind of thing. How do you explain it? If you if you had because uh, there was an yeah. FAA memo later on in the afternoon on 9-11 about uh, Daniel Lewin being shot and killed, and he happened didn't he happen to be a Mossad agent or something? Well, yeah, like that? he was part he was of like, the yeah, yeah. Sa Israeli Sa a commando or something. Commando, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Something yeah. sapphire or I can't. Predict. No, I, I had that report in the in the upcoming book, and it was uh, the the stewardess who calmly report and and, yeah. and kindly and he, she gave the seat numbers like what did that matter if the plane was going down, but she was incredibly calm. I know, yeah. And true. we had one of the uh, I forget who one of the people in the in the chat was uh, asking about Betty Ong's phone call, yeah, being another very calm person, and uh, you know, and they. Uh, all these phone calls are obviously dubious. Barbara Olson and all that. And uh, again, I talked about all this in industry. The only but reason they, we know about box cutters is Barbara Olson. Yeah, yeah. And they and these phone calls were impossible. Again, it's 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 not a theory. You can find other sources, and Chris knows that. We can find other sources that tell you that we hope to be able to make these phone calls possible by. Yes, whatever, 2005, whatever, but it's after 9/11. So it was like five years later. Yeah, yeah it's like so. How how uh, you know so how are they doing it on the day? And then Dave McGowan wrote a whole thing about it. The implications are very scary. Mm -hmm. If if they had these phone calls in 2001, right? That would have to mean number two, uh, one of two things: either every phone call made in the United States or the world is recorded and stored somewhere right. or the even scarier implications was that the air the the calls coming from all four of these planes were being recorded which means they were being tracked and monitored the whole time so why were they allowed to crash and uh be missiles basically so and dave brought that up and i was like oh that's a that's a pretty chilling you know Absolutely. I, I like everybody hates Raymond's suggestion. We should call this the first annual conspiracy day. I like that because they have yeah. holidays for everything. Else. Let's have conspiracy day. They yeah. did propose 9-11 to be a national holiday a couple of like a decade, yeah. maybe 10 years ago, maybe. Yeah, I accept. There you I go. Accept. We have to we have to culturally appropriate it. Don't not let them culturally appropriate it because they're taking the truth away. Yeah. You know, they can have their fantasy day. But I mean, they, again, the the. I, I, as I wrote in the article, you have to be really, really stupid. You have to be really, really programmed. You have to really, you have to chug down the Kool-Aid. You, uh, you, you have to completely turn off your critical thinking to believe this official story. Because, I mean, there's so much with JFK assassination, but there's this is a bigger event. So there's so much more. And there's so much just what we've talked about here. And, you know, there's a lot more that we could say. But, I mean, there's... Uh, there's is this going to go the way of the JFK assassination, Don? 
Uh, well, I, I, I don't think it's because the JFK assassination, although they always promoted the official story, they did allow a little bit of uh, debate, tiny bit. Uh, there's no debate in 11 You're not going to see either. They're, they're just the only time I think Jim Fetzer was on O'Reilly once or something. One of those shows amazingly. And they just, you know, he just O'Reilly just screamed at him like he did to, you know, witness Jeremy Glick, who supposedly lost his father. Yes. Thing. And, and O'Reilly bullied and screamed at him too. So he said, uh, your father would be ashamed of you. Yeah. And yeah. Then he, and then he had the Fox news security drag him out. Of the yeah. Street. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, but so, uh, yeah. But I can't say too much because O'Reilly asked me to be on his show like last month out of oh, nowhere yeah. oh, <laughs> and, and then canceled immediately, just like uh, what's her name did? Uh, Laura Ingram. Laura Ingram. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. But she said, well, fine. So we'll contact you back in the spring. When I said, okay, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I'll be hearing from you. <laughs> yeah. I have sad news to report from the Rumble front. Apparently, we're having comments being censored out of the chat on Rumble. And I promise you folks, I do not have any moderation. Wow. Settings that I'm aware of that would that would flag even certain things. Um, if I do have that set up, it's probably set up to be at like the dumbest level ever, like entry yeah. level. This is just like bare bones with well, what Rumble we, bands because I had, don't do that. We shit. had somebody on the on the Mr. Cooper show that was throwing out certain keywords I heard could cause a, uh, a censoring uh, problem. Could that have something to do with it? I don't know. And, and like, honestly, like with, uh, with Rumble's. Because um, they're pretty good about I, censoring anything. Yeah. I thought Rumble was uh, better. Uh, yeah. Like, I, well, I, I will say that personally, and we've all here had weird experiences with these platforms and, yeah. and with social media, whenever it comes to how we've been censored. So, I mean, maybe we're, we're touching upon yet another thing. Go, go figure. It's another Chris uh, Graves digging Chris Graves episode mm. where we discover yet another form of censorship. But um, yeah. I told you the Northwoods mm. thing, dude, but um, <laughs> it's always comes back to that. But yeah. uh, no, yeah, I, I have been on like AM wake ups chat and I have yeah. said certain things and then my comment just disappears. Um, I don't know where it goes now. Maybe it's because like, maybe I was acting up a little bit and being a little goofy, using a little bit too many swear words, potentially. I don't know, but like, I, I don't know what's causing it, but when it happens to me, and, and I guess that this is probably why it works so well to all of us is that I just assume, well, maybe that just didn't go through some, you know, maybe it's a bug, maybe it's a glitch. And then <laughs> the other day, uh, Steve Poinkin from a and wake up goes, uh, talk to an IT guy a while back. There is no such thing as glitches, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, is, is it something that they're they're fucking with? Uh, the the Rumble itself is doing this, or is it just another bug, if you will, <laughs> to their upgrades mm -hmm. that they're making? Um, I don't know. I'll have to. Uh, so, everyone listening on Rumble, if you're putting in comments and they're not going through, it is not me moderating this in any way. Um, I'm definitely going to look into my settings after this broadcast is over to make sure that I don't have anything set up to be like, you know, whatever. How w, is it, how is know, it World, World Economic Forum standards or something like that? How is know? it on everyone's <laughs> Twitter feeds right now? Don, can you see? Is it going out on your Twitter too? Uh, no, I just I it only let me put it. I was going to put yeah. it on Twitter and Facebook, but it didn't come back to let me do that. So it's just, not on my Twitter, but okay. I am buried on Twitter. So. Yeah. Okay. So what yeah, about nobody, nobody watches it on the other place. For some yeah. reason, they watch it on YouTube here. I don't know how it gets through here. But YouTube, I'm seeing all the comments that you have on YouTube, right? Yeah. 
Okay, so everyone seems to still be able to watch the show then. Yeah, I've, I've got most of the. I'm I'm impressed that you guys got the message that fast. I've got most of the most of the familiar names I see: White Wolf, Harps. Yeah, that's the weird the thing is like that. Usually, Deborah both Wheeler. platforms, YouTube and Rumble, they they really favor the live algorithms, you know, stuff. Like like they they push episodes like this in front of people so they can see their live content. Like it's a it's a big thing for them. So I don't know why. I mean, maybe that's why there's comments being banned now on Rumble. Who knows? Um. That's why I say all the time, guys, the window is closing. <laughs> like if you if you subscribe to us or follow us on Rumble, please follow us on other platforms uh before right. maybe one goes away. <laughs> That's yeah. all we can really do for now until we have our own platforms to work yeah. on. That's all we can do. And it, we, it's, it's this, you know, 9/11 showed I think that uh we um I mean, we know a guy Don that's doing like a, a internet radio station of some sort, right? <laughs> oh yeah, well we're that, that should, hopefully it's going to be coming soon. Free NYC. We've been talking about it for a long time, and that was what yeah. the event on the over the weekend was out. And I'd be, be looking on my social media when Billy Ray uh, sends me the link. I'll be sending. Oh, Don, I think uh, yeah, six was the one. Uh, I think uh, Chris from AM Wake Up. He was actually physically there filming you guys. But six, I think, was actually live streaming the whole thing. Yeah, that's what he said. But he but, but he conked out during my uh, act. I don't know, maybe it was too much uh, comedy or something. I don't know. Gremlins always. Yeah, I was trying to. I just I discover as, as I do this more and more, I'm injecting more comedy. Maybe people, I don't know. People seem to like it, but I just, I just that's the only way I can do it. I can't. Yeah. I can't. I really can't talk totally seriously about this stuff anymore without joking about it because it's just. Well, that's why we created the conspiring with Mr. Cooper because uh, yeah, we're just sick of talking about this. Uh, you need humor to some. Yeah, it's just too ridiculous to treat seriously. I mean, you know, whether it's whether it's a, by the way, the magic. I guess you heard of the magic bullets in the uh, the news again that Paul Landis, the Secret Service agent, eighty-eight, which I didn't know he was still alive, eighty-eight years old, uh, out of nowhere suddenly uh, comes up with a revelation. It's all in the mainstream media, you know, that he he found the magic bullet on the back top back seat. Of the limousine, which would be a, quite a trick, since uh, they claimed it wound up in Governor Donnelly's thigh, and yeah. no, he came, he was in his thigh, and he was in the seat ahead. So somehow it flew out of his thigh on landed on top of the back seat. See, even more guy, magical, Don. yeah, even more magical. <laughs> where this guy, he picks it up, and he doesn't initial it and start the chain of possession, which anybody in law enforcement knows to do. I think no. I know to do it. I'm not in law enforcement. No, he just walks around with it, and uh, and and he ends up putting it on on, on Kennedy's stretcher. What? Yeah. So so that's in the news again. So that's you know the, we still have these fantastic fairy tales, and and you know it's it's getting no scrutiny in the mainstream media because they're not going they're not going to question this guy. What do you mean? Because they that's the way it is with all the chain of possession and the JFK assassination. None of it was handled properly. So they're and something like nine eleven. Um, it's a little different. They don't have to worry about the chain of possession of anything anymore because they destroyed all the evidence. They pulverized it. And then, uh, according to Richard Gage, I didn't know that uh, apparently the – the uh, did you know that? The debris went to China. Oh, yeah. They melted that shit. That, that Why shit. did they go to China? <laughs> it's like yeah, it's Trump would say China. China. I, don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, you know what else was preposterous? <laughs> yeah. Seth, Seth McFarland's uh, claims about – yeah, yeah, having a ticket on flight eleven. Yeah, um, apparently for no real reason, the nine eleven commission report uh, felt the need to clarify some things. That mm -hmm. the story that 
Mr. McFarland has been saying for 20 something years mm-hmm. may not have actually been true where he showed up at the gate yeah. like 10 minutes uh, too, too late. The gate was already closed. He was hung over from uh, doing a talk at his old college in Rhode Island the night yeah. before. Well, right here I have Seth McFarland's mendacious 9-11 story. <laughs> this was from 2012, um, this article. It says, what possible reason would Seth McFarland have to obfuscate? I went to public school, folks, so just bear with me. To obfuscate <laughs> the <laughs> truth concerning his story about missing Flight 11 on September 11, 2001. The true reason is just as valid, but it doesn't really possess any of the suspense, drama, and comedy of his story. And basically just goes on to say that um, his his manager canceled the ticket hours beforehand. Mm-hmm. But why would he continue saying that he showed up 10 minutes late and missed the flight by like 10 minutes. Why would he say that in the media over and over and over again? And why would the 9-11 commission feel the need to have to put that in their final report or comic book later on? I guess it's their version of uh, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald's pubic hairs or Jack Ruby's uh, mother's dental charts. You know, they got to, they got to fill their report up with some irrelevant information. So I guess that's, uh, <laughs> I guess that's why. <laughs> Well, tell everyone how that uh, somebody that may have like a key motivation or say a conflict of interest in something can be the chief and lead investigator always on itself, the way that our government is. Well, that happened at Columbine. The uh, FBI's oh, lead investigator, Wayne Fusilier, actually had a son in the trench coat mafia that was responsible for making home videos of. What would actually happen two years later of uh, a school shooting at Columbine High School? And yet he didn't recuse himself from that investigation, even after be- having it pointed out in the media. That's a, it's a tradition, and it's in everything. I mean, there's you yeah. had the uh, well, I, I can't mention it because it's, it has to do with oh, the subject yeah. that can't be mentioned, but the, there was a particular person that uh, was uh, tried for a, uh, a crime. Oh, no, actually, it was January 6th. She was no. tried. She was tried for being there January sixth, and the judge was a, a guy who went to law school with her and asked her yes. out for a date, and she he was bitter over being rejected. Yeah. He was her judge. He didn't recuse himself. That's cool. Uh, go, go <laughs> something like something stupid like the OJ trial. Yeah. Uh, judge Ito. Judge Ito's wife was Mark Furman's arch enemy in the police department. They had feuded for years. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and Mark Furman's a key witness, and Judge Ito doesn't recuse himself. <laughs> Really? Oh, I, I mean, these things that. happen all the time. And, and even down to what you mentioned about uh, the uh, the the uh, uh, April Gallup uh, lawsuit. One of the judges is Bush's cousin. You know, it's against his administration. So you think they... You know, weird he is cousins everywhere, including this, on the board of the security <laughs> for the World Trade Center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a big family, man. It's a, it's a big family. It's a big family, and we ain't, ain't in it. You ain't in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got that. And, you, you know, they're having dinner with the Hinckleys and the uh, Osama, or uh, the Bin Ladens, and, you know. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it says... The Morning Shield. <laughs> It says, uh, it says, skip to live chat, uh, everybody, Raymond says, because you're, you're behind over there. But uh, I don't know, how much longer are we doing? I gotta, I'm going to have to go pretty soon. We, 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 this has been a nice show. We've been going on a while. I think it's been almost two it's and a half kinda, hours. I was trying to stretch it as long as I could for Peter's sake, because uh, I wanted oh, to get yeah. Peter's take. But 
I haven't heard anything back from Peter. So, uh, I mean, we don't, I mean, I, I got just another clip. Um, I'm definitely be, clipping that statement out, Graves. What, me uh, clipping myself? Is no, that you're mean? stretching it out as long as you can for Peter. I just, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> Touche. Uh-huh. Yeah. Not gay, touche. My okay. mind didn't go there at all. I don't know. I didn't. What was the thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, what was I going to say? I have a, I have a clip of about Flight ninety three, where they kind of they basically report on the fact that there was another debris field. Oh I yeah. Guess, I guess we can end on that. Um, that was only the other one I really wanted to play the other night that I didn't get a chance to. Well, let me. Uh, well, I'll do the closing thoughts with you guys after the clip, and I'll I'll, I'll do a speed thing right through his uh, YouTube uh, comments right after that. All right, let me uh, let me get to the share screen. All right, here we go. Just bear with me, guys. All right. Oh yeah. Also, Don, did you know that there was a guy that the most likely guy to shoot down. Flight 93 uh, was a guy named uh, Gibney. Have you ever come across that? Major no. Rick Gibney, Gibney? No, I didn't. I know people say speculate it was shot down, which it may have been or it may not have crashed. We don't know. But yeah. No. Okay. Here we go. All right. I'm not going to play the whole the whole thing, but I'll, I might skip through it. Just tell me, can you guys hear this? Or there's no audio yet? No audio yet. But there's a report that Flight 93 was... And then one other very dramatic... Yeah, good, good. ...our local troops are doing, um, and believe it or not, at the request of the White House, this is what's so interesting about living and working in Washington, D.C., the mayor called upon the Army National Guard to do several things, and the White House also called out the D.C. Air National Guard. Earlier today, an F-16 fighter aircraft from the 113th wing of the D.C. Air National Guard was actually called upon to intercept a second aircraft that was perceived to be yet another threat to the Pentagon. Um, They aren't giving any details as to exactly how they deterred that plane. Perhaps they'll be able to share that with us as the days go by, and it's not such a sensitive situation. But in any case, it is possible that there was a second aircraft that was headed toward the Pentagon, and because of the D.C. Air National Guard, that situation was taken care of. And then one other very dramatic thing that our local troops are doing, um, and believe it or not, at the request of the White House, this is what's so interesting about living and working in Washington, D.C., the mayor called upon the Army National Guard to do several things, and the White House also called out the D.C. Air National Guard. Earlier today, an F-16 fighter aircraft from the 113th wing of the D.C. Air National Guard was actually called upon to intercept a second aircraft that was perceived to be yet another threat to the Pentagon. Um, they aren't giving any details as to exactly how they deterred that plane. Perhaps they'll be able to share that with us as the days go by, and it's not such a sensitive situation. But in any case, it is possible if there was a second aircraft that was headed toward the Pentagon. Higher in the skies, the D.C. Air National Guard flew F-16s for air defense. One of those F-16s was requested by the White House and helped deter a second suspicious plane that appeared to be headed for the Pentagon. 
There was a second airplane that was approaching the Pentagon and they uh, went up to discourage anything happening there. Higher in the skies, the D.C. Air National Guard flew F-16s for air defense. One of those Pentagon and they, uh... <laughs> Our viewers live to Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Our Brian Cabela is standing by. This, of course, is the site where United Airlines Flight 93 crashed on its way from Newark to San Francisco, crashed on Tuesday. And I understand in this investigation, there's breaking news. Brian, what can you tell us? Well, Darren, in the last hour or so, the FBI and the state police here have confirmed that they have cordoned off a second area about six to eight miles away from the crater here where this plane went down. This is apparently another debris site, which raises a number of questions. Why would debris from the plane, and they identified it specifically as being from the plane, why would debris be located six miles away? Could it have blown that far away? It's highly unlikely. Almost all the debris found at this site is within 100 yards, 200 yards away. So it raises some questions. We don't want to over-speculate, of course, but, but there were some cell phone calls, one cell phone caller in particular, who said he saw a bomb or something that looked like a bomb with one of the hijackers also. The man who took over the plane apparently uh, announced that at one point he had there was a bomb on board the plane. So again, we don't want to speculate. We don't want to jump to conclusions. But what we do know is that there is a site about a half mile behind me where the plane went down, where most of the debris is. And then about six miles away up by a lake, there is another area that's been cordoned off. Hmm. And state police and the FBI have said definitely there is debris from the plane located there. We have a crew on the way right now. We should have pictures of that a little bit later on. In the meantime, the search here goes on. 80 searchers going foot by foot, combing the area, looking for evidence. They have not yet found the black box. Says most of these are very small pieces. Most of the pieces here are no bigger than the size of a briefcase, they say. Mm -hmm. And the pieces six miles away may be even smaller than that. They have talked to a number of individuals here. They say they have talked to people who saw this plane during the final moments. They haven't confirmed whether they saw, uh, they talked to anybody who saw this plane actually land. Cabell in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, thank you very much. Also a note from yesterday when we were listening in Stand there watching on TV, and the lights flickered in the building. About that time, we heard the engines roar, and uh, we took off out of the building as we were coming out from the office out through the building. The uh, ground shook, and we heard, uh, you know, big boom. Looked over and saw the big ball of fire up in the air. Like I said, probably within within 45 seconds or a minute of impact, we were that we were there. We were there before any firemen, any paramedics, or anybody. We were on site. When we got there, there was a plane flying up above. Yeah. And he was smart. He flew straight for the sun. Yeah. So you couldn't you couldn't look at it. And since there was a minute of impact, we were that we were there. We were there before any firemen, any paramedics, or anybody. We were on site. When we got there, there was a plane flying up above. And he was smart. He flew straight for the sun. So you couldn't you couldn't look at it and see exactly what type of plane or if it was a fighter or what it was. But, you know, we caught a glimpse of it, and as he was swinging, he was basically traveling in the same direction as the plane. It was in Atlanta, and uh, that was this past, past, and as soon as he heard me say that, he immediately stopped me, and he said, tell me this, and I told him, and he says, well, I'm retired from the Air Force. He said, that plane was shot down. 
And I said, why? And he said, because whenever the lights flickered, they zap the radar frequency on everything before they shoot. And he said, that's why your lights flickered. Your lights didn't flicker from the impact. Your lights flicker because they zapped the radar system before they shot it. Have a sense if we imagine the kind of world we would face <laughs> if the people who bombed the best ball in Mosul or the people who did the bombing in Spain or the people who attacked the United States in New York shot down the plane over Pennsylvania, shot down the plane over Pennsylvania, shot down the plane over Pennsylvania, shot down the plane over Pennsylvania. Shout out to the pineapple that that guy's getting in hell, according to the little Nikki rules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. There was witnesses that uh, said that there was the lights were flickering, mm -hmm. and there was a retired Air Force uh, gentleman telling that witness at Indian Lake, one of the managers right there, that that was not the impact of the plane that would make the lights flicker but of the radar uh, of a missile or a missile being deployed and would screw with um, the electronics. And I have heard that many times. It would, uh, anything in the vicinity, uh, any kind of electrical thing um, around there. So there you go. What do you guys think in closing of the reports of this other debris field? And it had to be shot down, right, guys? I mean, come on. Well, I think, and I'll, I'll have, and you know, you, you well know, because you, I'm sure you provided a lot of the research, but in uh, and, and the American Memory Hall, the upcoming book, I have a, a big section on Flight 93, a lot of great stuff. Uh, the county, the Somerset County Coroner, Wallace Miller, he was quite the character. We'll have all his fantastic uh, stories on the record, including having such keen eyesight that he was able to glean. He was able to, somehow, this is an amazing crash. You know, they couldn't find any passion, but they did find a tooth. With a yeah. from a passenger with a medical uh, a metal uh, metal filling and silver filling in it, that this character claims he saw up at a tree, because the sunlight was shining off the the uh, the filling. I don't, we got to try that. You know, we have to take somebody's uh, tooth with a metal filling and put it up in a tree on a sunny day and see if anybody anywhere with the greatest eagle eyesight of all time could well, possibly maybe maybe it. let's give him the benefit <laughs> of the doubt, Don. Maybe that that little glint of light that he that Wallace Miller saw. <laughs> was from the fighter that was escaping the area and going towards the sun, like that gentleman just. Yeah, said. well, that's true. Could be, it could be, but he, he couldn't but, identify like what it was. But you can see, there's so many. I mean, and I, I, I quote, you know, it's very fine, easy to find in the mainstream media. The qu quoting uh, sheriffs, police officers, you know, medical officials, uh, you know, pe people, official people that were there, not just average citizens. Have them too. That all talk about. I basically all said what plane. They say, where, where, where's the right? And then they say, it looked like nothing was there. So, you know, as a guy in the debate on I protest last week reminded me, he gave the official version, which is, well, it actually went down to the ground so deep. It's like, okay, yeah, whatever, man. Um, you know. what, were, what, what do you think? I know this is speculation, but what would you think that that same gentleman you just mentioned would have thought after hearing that, that lady uh, witness about the, there was a second plane that went towards the Pentagon, and you know he, she wasn't the only. There were there were a lot there were people that reported that, and uh, and, and you know uh, it, it talked about it flying overhead. They gave details of, of what it looked like, and yeah. and all this. So um, again, what happens if people when they're committed to a theory? And I, I'm not committed to. I don't know what happened there. I don't. There's mm -hmm. there's evidence that there was a plane there. There was evidence that it was shot down. 
but there's also evidence that there's no wreckage. So I, 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 so I've, I have no idea what the hell happened. But um, and there's evidence we can never forget. According to the mayor uh, of Cleveland, it landed at Cleveland Airport. I have that. I sent you that still frame from their website from that yeah. day. Yeah. So I mean, that's. So what is it? I, I don't. I don't think we can know. But I, we, whatever we know, we know what they say happened didn't happen. Uh, the let's roll thing is ridiculous. Uh, you know, there's what you had the people on there. The, the calls on Flight 93 are completely ridiculous. I, it was Matt, I forget the guy's name, the one that introduced himself to his mother and saying, Hi, this is Matthew Barnett or whatever, your son. Mark Burnett. Mark Burnett. Yeah, there you go. So, um, Mark which, Bingham. No, Bingham. Mark, Bingham. Mark Bingham, yes, which we would all do, right? Mom Burnett was another one. Yeah. yeah, so this is Mark Burnett, your son. Hi, mom. So that's what hey, you mom, this do. is Christopher Graves. Right, exactly. Huh? Your son. Make sure you say your son. She's holding up that you... horn thing like in the old school cartoons, right? To hear him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, your shaman, son. And, and then she later appears on a, 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 a an interview yeah. that I'm sure you can't find anywhere now, Fox News or CNN or something, where she's literally, it's it's like we would see later in Sandy Hook. And she's, she's pretty much laughing. And Joe, I it, it, I yeah, that. I mean, throughout the, I mean, and he was even commenting at the time again. We don't know what it means, but it adds to this. But people in the comments crazy. for that video you're mentioning, the video is still in existence. The comments in that made that comparison. What you just said, that yeah. probably, probably just got your YouTube thing erased. By the way. Oh no, I, I don't. I think that seems to be okay. I don't know. We'll see. Beyond that, now. <laughs> okay. Well, it's just the one topic. I think, as far as I know, I don't know. Okay. We'll see if, if anybody if anybody's watching from YouTube and they've lasted this long, uh, <laughs> or just, they must find the subject matter interesting. In close, yeah. In close, in in closing, on my end here, this was a piece of information I found that that always kind of chilled me to the bone. I sent this to Don a long time ago. I'm not sure if he actually came across it because I sent him so much. Mm -hmm. But the coroner for the bodies of the Flight 93 passengers made the claim that one of the one of the passengers had a note that they swallowed. Oh yes, <laughs> and would not divulge <laughs> what was written on the note. Yeah, I always found that bizarre. <laughs> Oh, and I and I and we we have that in the book. And uh, remember, we did that in school, Chris. Come on, uh, our friend Brad Meltzer, who had that show for a while, where he was he tried to pretend to investigate conspiracy theories, but always came down on you know yeah. the side of the establishment. Brad, he had Alex Jones on there once, if you remember. Brad Meltzer was was there. Uh, he, he talked about it. He supposedly used it as a plot in one of his books. Yeah, that's right. And and he and it, and they were saying, of course, well, that makes perfect sense. Because someone would know it would if he had to be in the military to do that, because then they would know that there was enough water in there to save the note from being. Yeah, I'm sure the average soldier's thinking that. You know, these are <laughs> rocket scientists. They're going, you know, obviously, you know, the paper note. You know, there's enough water in the stomach so that uh, I'm getting blown up. But you know, somebody's going to be able to read this note. I mean, it's, it's so stupid. And the fact he was involved. It's, yeah. it's just, you know, these, this, this titanium stuff. engines just vaporized, they told us, but yeah. this note was intact in the stomach tract. Yeah, right alongside Mohammed Addis or whoever it was. Whoever, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in whatever rental car that they stashed wherever, because he had like three of them. And yeah. then he had suitcase luggage that was left off the conveyor belt at Logan, too. On and on and on. <laughs> anyway, in closing, fellas, I'm glad that we were able to do this. Um, 
John, tell everyone how they can reach you, how they can support your efforts and where you'll be later on tonight and et cetera. And Everybody. I'll be on, I'll be on Jeff Rents tonight. I mean, a lot of people, I think more people listen to me there than anywhere else. Uh, Rents.com at 9 p.m. Eastern every Monday. Well, I'm sure we'll probably be talking about 9-11 or whatever. We always have good discussion. Um, my own I protest is every Friday, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Live streams right on this YouTube st- uh, channel as long as also with rockfin.com. Any teases for this Friday's episode? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to try to get Barbara Honiger. I, I got her phone number from uh, Richard Gates. So we'll see if I can get a hold of her. But uh, we'll see. Wow. But um, and um, and of course, some you know people want to want to support me and help me buy my latest book, which you know, masking the truth, and uh, it's the most censored, most shadow banned book in the world. And uh, well, you got a Substack they can subscribe donate to. to me at Substack yeah. DonaldJeffries.substack.com. I protest just like the show. I'm getting lots of subscribers, getting a pretty big audience there. So that's where I'm directing people mostly now because that seems to be the place that's not being shadow banned. So I can, uh, I can do my best work there, but I certainly appreciate everybody coming here today on such short notice too. It's great to, to see people in the chat. Well, I always appreciate being able to talk to my good friend. And then once again, thank you for the shout out at the, uh, the event over the weekend. I was actually uh, disappointed. I wasn't able to I was, guard Goldsmith and I were going to actually heard, try to go down together, but our, we're, we're both trying to get our health in order, so we didn't want to uh, risk it. But uh, all right, six. So, uh, you have any closing thoughts? And how can people support your your efforts? And uh, where can they find your work? As part of my closing thoughts, I wanted to bring up something, and I, I think I've talked about it with you before, Chris. But I, I watched a show a while back called Billions on Showtime. With the Rock? No, no. Oh, okay. And in uh, in that character. Uh, in, in that in that story, uh, there's a character that makes a big short on all of the stock market surrounding the the World Trade Center attack, and they sort really? of let you yeah, and they <clears throat> let you know little bit by little bit like how he may have gotten like forewarning or allude to it during the the series. Now I've long since stopped watching episodic shows like that. I've sort of fallen out of watching the predictive programming as much, but looking back on a lot of it now um i can see how like these stories will will keep coming up in popular culture whether it be little uh calling cards potentially like that about how things really went down and how the how the story really unfolded and even when you when you brought up the the thing with putin earlier like what we're experiencing right now with ukraine like we we live in a walled garden like whenever it comes to information like we can't, we can't investigate the investigators oh so much in this country, can we? No. I mean, when it comes to uh, holding people accountable for whatever they were involved in back, uh, back then, um, this is something that's going to be debated well into the future. So that's why I'm appreciative of everyone being here today to talk about what, where our minds were in this moment, um, what, what theories that we've heard. And maybe it should be because of that, uh, a conspiracy theory holiday of sorts, because it should make people think. And if anything, because of what had happened after to us as a species around this planet, after that event, this was, this was a world changing event, nonetheless, and us being a a part of it now and part of history and, and having this audience here today, 
I hope that people 100 years from now will look back and find this and go, well, this is what people were thinking back then, at least. So I'm proud to be here. Thank you, Chris. Okay. Yeah, well, thank you. Chris. Thank you guys for uh, for being here with me. And uh, uh, full apologies to everybody in Don's chat. There's no way I'm going to be able to go through the rest of these comments on the, on the screen right now. Mm. But thank you all for uh, for tuning in. And uh, Thank you. Support. And the participation. Yeah. Like, yes. really appreciate it. Really remember good. masking the truth uh try to get it in your your local library yes and, uh, yeah tell everyone about it and let's try to get dawn on the coast to coast a.m again somehow yeah yeah i've been told i i told they had a meeting with george nori and i've been told that uh it's no go so no uh, go because no, no more co no more books on that subject but i i think subject. they were i think they mean my books so <laughs> but do you, you, you have a feeling that the memory hole uh, will be safe uh, in terms of... Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that'll, I'm, I'm sure I'll be on there. Okay. I'm pretty sure of that, yeah. All right, everyone. Uh, my my, you know, I, my thanks go out to uh, Peter Seacosh, as as always. Uh, me, uh, Peter and I might do something later on tonight, just a little addendum to, to this, cool. possibly, because I know he has a lot to say about 9-11 as well. So thank you, everyone, for, uh, for continuing... Uh, to support everybody here. Take care, everyone. Thanks.